It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long. And you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy, with your hosts, Eric, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss the 1971 film, THX 1138. here we are back to our road to star wars series oh boy coming in for our our second entry with thx 1138 and man isaac how long has it been how long have we been waiting to talk about this when did i went lend you that uh, that fucking blu-ray <laughs> well i can at least tell you uh, when the last time it was you watched this thank you yes and how how many does it list in there by the way if i can look at your chicken scratch um pardon me <laughs> Twenty four oh five nineteen second, twenty oh one nineteen. So you had watched this in for the first time in twenty nineteen, within five months of each other, mm. within four days actually. That's hilarious. Really, I just watched it again like four days later. No, no, no. So like five months later, four days later. Okay, okay. Sorry, five months, four days later. Excuse me. <laughs> so this would have, I think. Well, this has been before or after, or actually I think this may have been during our Star Wars run. Yeah, I think that would have been right around when we did, yeah, the first Star Wars movie. I, I think it was right before that, yeah, back in 2019. And then I guess we were planning to do this in 2020 once we finished up the series. We're going to come back in around December of 2020 to do this. And so, yeah, we've, we're finally there now, uh, three years later, almost, to cover, yeah, this movie. <laughs> Uh, but turning the mic over to you, Eric, uh, coming into this, uh, I'm assuming you hadn't seen it. Uh, what were your ex- expectations coming to this this flick here? Not much, really. Um, definitely always wanted to see it. Um, I'd heard a lot, heard about it, obviously, since probably the 90s is when I heard about it first. Only because in the 90s, I was obsessed with the THX sound system. Um, so, so whenever I'd be reading up about that, that's where I first learned the connection and, and what it was connected to. And then um, in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, um, around the time uh, when they were releasing DVDs for the, the prequel movies and re-releases of the original trilogy, um, I remember... Uh, the first disc release of THX being highly publicized. Um, uh, And so I really wanted to get that original DVD release circa 2004 or whatever it was. Um, And I just never got around to it. Um, And I 
I finally purchased a copy of the Blu-ray. Probably because we were just having... This was early on when when the three of us had first started to record podcasts with each other. Um, it had come up in conversation. Um, and so that's when I finally got myself a copy of the Blu-ray, which was about two years ago now. And all this time it's just had the cellophane on because I was hoping to one day watch it um, with my cousin who, who himself is a movie lover. So I was saving it for that occasion. And so it had been sitting in cellophane all this time until today. And originally I was just going to watch it on HBO Max because it's currently available there. Uh, But it didn't take long when I started watching the film earlier today that I decided, no, I need to crack open the cellophane because I (laughs) wanted to dip into the special features, etc. Oh, yeah. So you watched some of that? Yeah, as much as I could. Um, um, time withstanding. Cool. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear some of that. Um, but you, Isaac, coming in, did you? Uh, what were your expectations? My impressions—not even impressions—but what I know of this film is that it was mentioned in Empire of Dreams, and it was, it was weird. I was like, "What is? What is this film about?" And nobody talks about it, but it's not—not not a bad way, of course. But like. Nobody discusses it. I don't really see too many film theories on it, but it's based off of George Lucas's, I don't know if it's his first student film, but it's, I guess, first major student film. And quite ambitious. And, yeah, coming into this, when I, when I watched it, I was quite surprised how good it looks. Maybe that's, like, your, your copy, A. Caleb, that, but how nice and clean and clear and how different it looks from like other science fiction films of the time interesting interesting Mm. yeah i'll be curious to talk about that caleb yourself what is uh your either initial impressions or what were you know what are your thoughts uh and background of this film oh boy yeah this when i had started to fall out of the my interest with the prequels i'd heard that george lucas had this this early film that was kind of an arty film, maybe stepping away from his more fantastical science fiction stuff with the Star Wars movies, and yeah, I'd become bitter after the prequels, and I was like, ah, like, I'm sure this is crap, like, uh, George Lucas, he, you know, he can't make a movie to save his life, so, but, I, but as the years went on, I kept hearing, like, oh, no, actually, maybe this, maybe this is an interesting piece of 70s science fiction that I kind of need to have in my, uh, my lexicon. And so, yeah, I was very happy to have the excuse to, to check it out. I'd actually bought the Blu-ray a little bit before I watched it. And I kept just meaning to reach for it. And, yeah, today and, like, three days ago, I have had my third and fourth viewing. I watched the original cut, and I also watched the special edition cut for this uh, discussion. And definitely some different experiences there. So I'll be curious to get into that discussion as we go along. Uh, but I guess before we do, we can discuss, because we all also watched the original short film. Now, Isaac, was that included on the Blu-ray? Since you have my Blu-ray here today, I yeah, I can't check it myself. Uh, it is, and I had to, I'm not going to say go through loops to find it, but it was kind of hidden. It was, it was, I think it was under... I had the same exact experience. There you go. Oh, is it like an old school Easter egg? No, it's not that. It's just... Whoever arranged 
like the different selections throughout the menus it's a very awkward ui um and yeah it's not obvious where you need to navigate to for that and other featurettes oh interesting hmm. yeah but i guess for this this short film that we all watched um i think i discussed whenever i did my little david cronenberg video i remember in it i was i said uh you know, I, when I used to do these director retrospectives, I'd always include their student films. But when I was done with my David Cronenberg series, I decided that going forward, I was no longer going to do that because I felt like I got no value, no uh, real insight to their future projects. I don't know. I feel a similar way having watched this uh, this one here today. I don't really feel like I got much that would inform this movie. A couple little things here or there, uh, but. Yeah, it just felt like, okay, early concept, much more interestingly explored later. But uh, but how about you guys? <laughs> Maybe you gleaned some more from it than I did. I was okay with it. Certainly not as engaged with it as I was the full feature. And I guess I was okay with it because, first of all, it's not very long. So that, that helps. But also, I think more of what it shows, the student film is it just really sets or establishes like an overall mood or tone. I mean, that's really what it is. It's a, it's a, it's like a distilled version of the feature, but more in just kind of setting the atmosphere of the feature or the world. Because, you know, it doesn't show much. It's just a bit of a, a man escaping or something. Um, there's not much story in it the way there is in the feature, but it it is effective in just setting up like kind of the soundscape and the emotion of like tension and stress and and anxiety and maybe a little bit of metaphoric claustrophobia. So I almost take it as like a short mood piece. Um, just to like it'd almost be like a um sometimes um when producers are coming out with a new project like a movie or a series um they make sort of like almost like a sizzle reel and this is almost like that to me mm. uh, any uh any opinions isaac i like the angle they had in the short film or the student film excuse me where it was they were trying to chase down this but this escapee or this person trying to escape the system. I like the angle that was from like mission control. It was all from like the people behind the, the chair basically. And they were like trying to like, even though they had all high eyes on him, they didn't have the means to immediately send out uh, a police or um, somebody to chase him down. That was, that was interesting. Uh, kind of maybe showing the future itself being non-violent or at least trying to figure out uh, different means there was even the i think they tried to release like a, a, a cyborg or a robot at the end and then he pulls the gun and like destroys it yeah yeah i guess that was kind of cool i guess <laughs> maybe i'm just bitter on student films i don't know i i really didn't get much enjoyment from it at all 
I, I got. I, I like the fact that that actor uh, who's playing THX on thirty eight EB or four EB, um, he was he was like running a marathon. Like Lucas was like, all right, get ready to do a lot of running because uh, I'll be. That's that's basically what the camera's going to be on you the whole time. Yeah, he was training for weeks. Yeah, <laughs> there was one little piece of uh, questioning that I had having watched uh, the the real feature not long before that this short film informed and in, in, I don't know if maybe because it's not clear in the, the actual movie if, if that was just George Lucas's thoughts in the background I don't know but it made me uh, feel more confident in one of the things I was questioning about the actual film so I guess we can discuss that when we get to it but yeah I guess if we don't have much more to say about the, the short film should we move on to the uh, the main event I like how uh, it was, I mean, I know this movie, I can't just say this, but I like how much of a chase it was. Yeah, pretty much all a chase. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, well, the one other thing I'll say, and don't quote me on this, but I think, because I didn't get to watch much of it, but I think in part of the feature it for like behind the making of THX and the student film, I think George Lucas said that initially when he was in school, um, the subject itself, um, like the the pitch for it, I think like it wasn't his own idea. It was somebody else's idea, and it was just put out there. Like, is anyone interested in this concept? And so then he, like, immediately like latched onto it just because it was science fiction themed, and he was into that. Mm. So I just thought that was a little bit interesting that it wasn't wholly his own creation at the outset yeah and do you know if that has any relation to the co-writer that he has on this walter merch sorry i don't know that oh, okay because yeah i didn't look into any of the back story i didn't have the uh the disc to watch any bonus features not that i would have i don't think i don't think i had the time but but i was curious to see a co-writer on there i don't know um but jumping into the initial feature hmm where, where to start with this here? Uh, Isaac, any ideas where to, <laughs> where to go? Um, I can't even give a basic summary because it is the future. Um, Eric may know more details than I do, but it is the future. And basically, the, we have like an average Joe, THX 1138, and he's, he's, you know, he's, go, he's doing his daily life, he's doing his routine, and things he's, he's kind of in the slumps. Things aren't going well for him. You know, he's, he's having his daily pills, he's doing everything the system tells him to, and he still feels, like, pretty low. He even goes to, like, that confessional booth, and he just, he doesn't get experience from it. He, he sort he, it seems like he lo- likes his wife a lot still, maybe not likes, but it's weird, like, sometimes he does, sometimes he does, maybe it's, like, a chemical imbalance within his brain, I, I don't fully know, but, yeah, yeah there's, he's, he's experiencing things, he's, he's on a low for that, and eventually, um, Things transpire where he uh, there's there's this other coworker of his that wants to I guess be his new roommate and he's like nope but then uh, him and his wife have uh, intercourse and it's projected in front of a live studio audience and that nets him uh, to go in the slammer and after that uh, yeah he basically escapes from prison and it's uh, it's what can I say it's a chase out of the electronic labyrinth itself. Yeah, I guess a couple, I guess I'll give a summary too, because we have a little bit of differing uh, perspectives there with it. Um, to start, I will start with how they begin the film with their little uh, Buck Rogers 
you know, it's an ordinary guy, you know, making uh, making the world better. That little uh, kind of heroizing the, the ordinary man in this fantastical science fiction setting. And then we contrast that with this very grim science fiction setting. When, yeah, all these people are kind of... The, the individuality is stolen from them. And they're all under sedation, all being drugged. And we get this... Really, the beginning of THX's story starts with his, his roommate, not his wife... Uh, L-U-H, who at some point, either, I don't know why she stopped taking her meds, but at some point she decided that she had grown attracted to THX, and she started changing his medication and, and not giving him his sedation either. And that started to give him issues at work. He we, we start this early on with him accidentally killing like 170 people or something like that, because he can't operate his high-stress job if he's not in sedation. And we see him going through withdrawals, we see him not understanding what's happening to him. But as he comes out of the, the lull of the drug, he also starts to feel the attraction to his, his roommate. Which makes them both fall under two different crimes, which is, I think it's drug evasion. And then there's, yeah, the, the crime of their, their sexual improprieties. And I, I, I think it's mainly those two that he goes to jail, although I wasn't sure if that was also tied into the disastrous situation with his uh, near uh, blowing up his whole <laughs> workplace, with that whole mind lock situation. And then, yeah, so either way, he gets put in this, this sham trial and then goes to this purgatory place, this kind of illusion of a prison, a prison that you're almost just held into with your own mind. And pretty much from then on, the movie... It just gets kind of weird, and yeah, it does turn into a strange chase movie. Uh, we can discuss all those details, and yeah, I guess where it ends up yeah, as we jump into this movie. And I, I, I'll say I like in both versions, I really enjoy the the little Buck Rogers thing. I think that's a, a nice way to set an interesting tone, because immediately after that, we get this kind of more depressing, ominous music with the uh, the palette of the, uh, the opening credits. I think the contrast there is just good at setting a, a tone for you i believe with the buck rogers bit uh inserted i think it was i don't know if audiences at that point would have been familiar with buck rogers i think or so. like oh it's, it's that old it's those old serials from the 40s uh look how optimistic it was and full of energy and life it was and then cut to this and it's like this is not buck rogers but i'm taking <laughs> ideas from that uh, just the, you know, like the, the tagline of like, man of the future, every man of the future. And yeah, uh, going in very different directions, much more bleak and depressing and sanitized version of the future. Yeah, and I like the, the opening, like just bit of chaos with this big collage of images and sound. And we don't really, I feel like we don't really know what's going on at first. As we get the images of the people opening up their medicine cabinet. And we see that there's a camera in there, and there's this whole surveillance system, and everyone's being very closely monitored. I like the, I like the unnerving quality of that little opening section there. I had a couple of thoughts and a question on the uh, synopsis you just gave. Cable. You said at at the beginning that THX was responsible for those deaths. Yeah. Did I just totally miss that? Because I thought it was just another random accident happening in a different section yeah it, it did happen in a different section but it was yeah his fault 
yeah, you could hear them being like, uh, THX, level out, THX, uh, pick that up. And then when he goes into the, confes the confession box, he's like, oh, I made a mistake at work today. I don't know what's going on. Well, but, I thought that was a different situation, though. I thought, that, I thought those was two different situations. Uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was him that, that did it. Yeah. No, because there was the accident near the very beginning of the of the movie. Yeah. And then there was the later incident where he drops like the little metal rod or whatever. Yeah. But there was no casualties in that one. Yeah. I, I... So how did he cause the casualties in the first incident? I was under the assumption that that was a setup for what could happen. Right. Right. That's what I thought. Maybe. Yeah. Well, he he I mean, they certainly correlated it to him. I miss that. I mean, if you go back and play the scene, yeah, he, because uh, as he, as they're saying, like, oh, THX, level this out, we, we cut to camera footage of just explosions happening and people dying. So unless it was just kind of messy editing, I think that they're pretty much saying that it was his fault during that bit. Oh, now I feel like I'm losing my mind. Because um... <laughs> why else would they cut it that way? I didn't see it cut that way. That's why I'm confused. Well, uh, well, maybe we got to check the tape. <laughs> Pro, uh, yeah, I'm I'm with Eric on this, but I'm also open to interpretations. I'm just like, like I don't know if there's that much of a difference between yeah, the I don't... original cut and the director's cut. There's quite a bit of differences, yeah. But in the director's cut, I didn't get any implication that it was anything related to what THX was doing when the first accident or explosions happened. Yeah, I'm watching the scene right now. I guess we'll I guess we'll see. <laughs> in real time. Um, yeah, what my interpretation was, yeah, the scene was happening. I, I, I definitely love... It, it kind of showed the whole level of control that the institution itself or whatever you want to call this place has over the people where it's just like, remain calm, remain calm, do not evacuate all just proceed as normal uh go about your business everything is okay i i kind of like that bit though uh, of how like just no no, no. Uh, like in, in case of this kind of emergency this meltdown this like reactor uh is leaking just keep working it's fine everything is fine this is fine um and i will say you were commenting on like some of the opening mood um with seeing everyone being monitored and um on multiple screens uh, you just reminded me of the opening of a movie I used to watch a lot in the 90s, uh, Sliver, with, uh, oh my gosh, what's her name from Total Recall and uh, King Solomon's Minds and uh, Basic Instinct. Sharon Stone? Yes, yes. Um, a movie I found quite interesting, Sliver, in the 90s, um, but I tried to revisit a year or two ago, and that movie has not aged well. Uh, but definitely a big part of that movie is all about the man who has the ability to to view everyone in their apartments you know that beginning part though with the camera inside the drug cabinet i was thinking more of or bathroom mirror excuse me i was thinking of uh what is it called the uh, truman show that's what i was that i was thinking of oh yeah i was like oh okay i don't yeah. know I, I i wasn't assuming that was they, they picked it up from this but Maybe that idea has been used somewhere else, but that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah, definitely relatable. Well, I did watch that scene, and it could just be confusing editing because, yeah, they're they're like, oh, THX, like level out, it's it's gonna it's gonna blow. Then we see the sign seeing radiation, and then we see him touch something and it sparks, and then the whole room blows up. But they show only the back, 
so it could technically be like another worker we're just seeing his back but they certainly frame it as if it was thx but yeah i've been watching the background too and i haven't been able to make more sense of it than before so it's going to take me yeah like a whole different viewing to get to the bottom of this yeah but i'm 97 percent sure it's him and i will point out this was edited by george lucas so we could just be having some confusion from him and his uh his ways i don't know i i'm 97 percent on the opposite side of the coin but yeah i don't, I don't really know. well either way yeah <laughs> and, the, and speaking of the director's cut i didn't or okay i had forgotten because i remember i had read this years ago but i had completely forgotten about updated special effects mm. so around the time of the scene we're talking about um when they show like a, a, a long shot of uh like the um yeah like the conveyor belt or whatever the factory yeah it completely took me out of it initially because i wasn't expecting it and i was like what the heck is this because especially just in that one scene it it looks very attack of the clones in a way and i was just like what is happening right now like this doesn't it, it, it reminds me of when you see the updated effects that pop up on classic Doctor Who DVDs or like the um, the TOS remasters on disc, like it just kind of just like comes out of nowhere. Uh, but that first shot was was the most jostling uh, for me out, out of the the other like alterations. Yeah, especially having just watched uh, like two or three days earlier the original cut, there was a number of jarring ones for me. The uh, we get this scene with the the chase later on when it opens up to this big highway. Uh, oh boy, that that I did not feel was helpful. And then some of those CGI creatures at the end, I was like, whoa, this this looks so poor. And it could be that the original footage was bad. It seemed like there was something wrong with it, even even in the original cut. During all that stuff with the the beastie guys or the the dome dwellers, I think they call them. Yeah, something like that. So. So maybe they just couldn't do much with the footage, but oh boy, did that look just horrible. <laughs> see, unfortunately, I didn't get to see the original cut because it's a little bit sad, but not surprising. It's not included on the on the D, on the Blu-ray. Um, but I did get to see the original trailer, and in the original trailer, you can see a couple of the original shots, like without CG, uh-huh. um, but just glimpses and. From the glimpse of the dome, dome dweller in the trailer, that did not look good at all. No, it doesn't. The CGI is not great either, but I guess it's better than the original, even though I only got to see a glimpse of that original sequence. But yeah. Yeah, and I'll say for anyone who's interested, you can find the original version on archive.org. Um, it's it's not the best copy, but especially in comparison to the, the very good looking blu-ray they clean this thing up just great but it still is nice to be able to see in its completed uh, original form um but there was something else that i'm very curious to see how our different readings line up with the the character of sen this uh he's a co-worker of loh um and he yeah he seems to have an interest in thx right from that early mistake uh, debated i guess mistake in that first uh job situation and then when him and LOH have their little sexual impropriety we see him up there and I think Isaac you said that 
it seemed like there was a whole audience of people watching them sleep together. Well, kind of exaggerated that. It was a little hyperbolic. That is not the case, but it did, it did look like there was uh, a few onlookers uh, looking at what was taking place. Yeah, I feel like that's I feel like that's another bit of the confusing editing because I don't actually think they were. I think it's only Sen that's watching them or Sen. I don't know if that that whole group of people is actually watching their their sex scene. So is the group of people watching like the other sex scene? Oh, maybe uh, earlier than one. Because I definitely saw the group of people. Yeah. But I don't know if it was that first sex scene, um, or the later. Yeah. Like, do they get any sexual stuff? Does does whoever's in the control place send it to them? I don't know. That that bit's weird. I don't know what the hell that was about. But I'm curious what you guys think about why exactly SEN seems to have such a, a pull towards THX because after he sees that sexual impropriety he I think murders his roommate and then gets uh, THX he manipulates the system and has him booked as his next roommate why do you think that is there <laughs> I have some thoughts but uh, I kind of want to hear other people's first well that's the case so if he murders Lull or Law, excuse me. Um, how does she show up when he's in purgatory? Oh, no, I mean, uh, okay, I'll, I'll explain a little bit further. Oh, okay, I think I know where you're going with this. No, please explain, because I'm, now I'm lost. Yeah, because, uh, so SEN, he makes a shift request to, you know, change, um, change whatever shift SEN has. Oh, fuck. L-O-H-S. <laughs> And immediately THX is like, hey, why is he doing this? This isn't right. It should be the system that does this. This seems weird. And uh, LOH is like, don't worry about it. Like, don't cause trouble. And so THX, still being disturbed, goes over to SEN's uh, like apartment unit. And when he arrives, he's like, oh, where's LOH? And she's not there. And SEN's talking about the fact that his, uh, his roommate was destroyed earlier on some sort of accident happened and he died and then during the scene that's when SCN was like oh and you know uh, I, I want you to be my new roommate me, me and LUH we talked about this and you know we, we decided that me and you would be a great fit and THX freaks out and yeah he, he leaves him uh, but yeah so it, it definitely seemed like it was a pretty coincidental accident that happened to kill his roommate Right after he uh, yeah, watched that whole sex scene go down. Okay, hold on. Okay, so so are you saying, Caleb, that SCN just killed his previous roommate? Or are you saying he killed his previous roommate and THX's current roommate as well? No, yeah, only his roommate. Cause we see... Okay, okay, that makes more sense. Because I, I guess I heard you wrong the first time. Yeah, because we see LUH yeah, a couple times after that. Okay, that makes much more sense. And by the way, I just watched the scene um, we were talking about, about the viewing of THX and LUH um, having sexual relations. And you're right, it is edited a bit weird. But I think what's going on is, yet Sen is like in a control booth and is seeing like the direct feed of them having uh, relations. But it's implied that there's the group of people who are also seeing the same transmission and like there's some type of governing body and they have thoughts about it too. Um, so it seems like both Sen who is separate 
and the the group are viewing the same feed. Yeah, and it's weird because I don't we we never really get any information on that particular group. I think we only see them maybe three times, and I was confused each time. Like, okay, what what's this group? And I thought it was also strange that Sen when he's in that room watching that he's the only one in the room at that time well, pretty much every other time we see that particular surveillance unit there's two people so i thought maybe he was like he had manipulated in some ways so that he could be alone watching that as well i don't know if he was in there off hours or i mean i think that's open i think that's open in interpretation i mean it's possible but i don't think it's defined because that's his that's his whole thing early on is he he talks about how yeah he 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 sees the cracks in the system and he knows how to manipulate them I get the sense that he's probably been off the sedation for a while as well. Yes, I agree with that. Another thing weird about the the gallery of viewers is for some random reason, they're all wearing white, but one man is wearing an orange uh, jumpsuit. And yeah. when do we ever see like that? There's, there's only few instances when we see people not wearing all white. Um, like there's another character later in the movie who's like in beige or tan. But yeah. what's the orange guy? Like, um, I have no idea. It's a weird detail. Um, yeah, uh, going back to the original question that Caleb posed to us, did you have other thoughts, Isaac? With? Like Sen and what's up with him? Radical, potentially. You know, there's, in, in any dystopic future setting, we have to have, you know, a radical, somebody who goes against the system. So... But he's also maybe already in potentially. He's he's setting up stuff uh, as well. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, he definitely. Uh, I like Donald Pleasant's performance. Oh man, love it. <laughs> and and where his arc goes, or maybe not his arc, but where his story ends is, we'll get into it. No, I think uh, I'm kind of along the same lines as what you were saying, Caleb. Like, like he's someone who ahead of time has you know like you said probably discontinued his meds like his his mind has been open more than like the typical citizens um but at the same time he has just been trying to take advantage of that fact mm-hmm. um and he everything he's doing is just for selfish reasons uh and yeah he's manipulating the system and doing what he can just to further appease these new like feelings and desires that he has off his meds. Cause he really came off as like a um, dubious slimy character to me. You're like right off the bat. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and that's about it. I mean, where that kind of sets the tone for him. Yeah. And uh, I'm curious, I guess I'll lay out my thoughts on this guy. So I think his particular pull towards thx i think it's sexual yeah i agree with that i get the sense that yeah this guy is done in a more older school than maybe even the 70s style of uh gay coding i think maybe this was even a slight bit passe gay coding for this time where the uh the gay folks were looked at as you know seeing themselves as beyond the the bounds of traditional life seeing themselves as above normal human morality and so they're more likely to be villainous in that way. They'll, you know, bend the rules. They'll do things to manipulate people. We saw a lot of that back in the the, the 40s and into the 50s. 
but yeah, I think I think that that kind of slimy character is is definitely represented here as well. And I don't mind it. I think that I think Sen is quite an interesting character in this. So yeah, I could totally see that. And it's funny that you um, or I do see that. It's also funny how you mentioned like the old school coding because that evoked a different thought from the movie in me uh, than what you were talking about, which is it's interesting that just before he's apprehended later in the movie, Sen, um, when he's talking to the youths who are playing, how he's, he speaks to one of them and, and tells them that when he was a kid, like they were raised a different way. Yep. So, so even within this world of the movie, he's like an older generation or two before things fully were the way they are now. Yeah, and, and I guess I'll jump into that point now. Um, I mentioned how in the short film there was one bit that I felt like informed something that I was wondering about when I was watching this. So we get this weird kind of kangaroo court situation where we have the defense and the prosecution and they're not even really discussing the case, they're more using the case as a way to further their different points of view on societal ails. And the this kid, who's the prosecution, he keeps referring to whatever THX is in this this point is, is erotics. We need to eradicate these erotics, get them out of our society, they're the, the source of all our ills. And the defense is like, this, this is not a race issue, like, let's discuss... And when he said that, I started to wonder, I was like, is he saying that are the erotics people that were born of, like, natural birth? Like, the older generation, maybe? Because we see a lot of test tube babies later on. And I was just wondering if all the older folks were maybe born before that was that practice was put into place. And when we watched the, the short film, it opened up, uh, oh, I wish I could remember what it said. Because it, they showed all the, the these various case files of people. And under THX, they had something that was, like, uh, Genesis sexual act and then the other ones were like Genesis process 8 something like that and so I was like oh in, in the short film is, are they saying that maybe that's why THX is acting out different because he was produced via the sexual act rather than whatever this process 8 was Well, and so I was wondering in, in this movie if that's yeah, if they're furthering that idea well, your first theory I think is very plausible um, when you like the differences between the prosecution and defense because uh, I was thinking just generational, but I wasn't thinking deeper into it. And, and, and I think that's very plausible that perhaps the older generations were the last um, produced through natural reproduction. Um, but the whole Genesis thing, I didn't really think about until you brought it up. Who knows if it refers to that or if the Genesis cases were the first of the new process perhaps like the test tube process with uh with which part when you were talking about the beginning of the short film and how there was different case files for genesis whatever genesis whatever yeah yeah one said sexual act one said process eight yeah i was gonna say like what if what if that's talking about like the first test tube um humans like i'm not really sure but of course you don't know any about any of that when you're just watching the the short film on its own yes exactly yeah the only reason i noticed in the short film is because it was a question i had it written in my notes for this one and yeah i just i thought i'd bring it up because it that that whole trial struck me as just odd and confusing at first and then on my second viewing or i guess my fourth viewing i felt like i was maybe 
getting what they're going for. Not that I really know how relevant it is for the rest of the movie, and I feel like there's a lot of that going forward from that trial scene onward, that there's just stuff that just feels weird. I, it's like the first maybe half of the movie feels like it's much more straightforward, and then once we enter this this mind prison place, it becomes weirdly abstract, and then it just becomes a chase movie, and it starts to feel kind of a... Uh, what's the word? Linear? Sure. Yeah, I was going to say it starts to have a kind of schizophrenic feel to it, but I feel like that's not the word that you're supposed to use anymore <laughs> for that kind of thing. I don't know what the equivalent word is. But it just feels a little erratic in terms of what they're going for. <laughs> Unorthodox? Maybe. <laughs> but do you guys do you guys feel what I'm saying with, with that, even if I don't know what the right word is now? <laughs> well, I'm not sure what word you're searching for for that particular element. But overall, obviously... I recognize the tonal shifts, the three that you describe. I, I I see them, but they don't they don't really take away from the overall experience to me. Like like it just it in the context of the movie, it, the tonal shifts just seem to make sense to me. Sure, sure is is just an experience watching it. I think that's how I felt the first two two times I saw it. Um, I just feel like if the movie's going for for something, if especially the 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 kind of prison section seems like they're trying to go for more lofty messages. I just feel like I, I feel like it never quite gets there. I don't, maybe I just need to see it more, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like it gets it like it confuses itself or something. The only issue I have with the, the prison sequence is just how easy it is to get out of it. Um, but maybe that's part of the message as well. The fact that it is easy through like self-will or self-determination and so maybe well maybe that maybe that's why it's so easy to quote unquote escape the prison if you do or think the right thing or in the right way yes that's that's what the message is supposed to be but they completely muddy it and make it weird because it should have just been thx and sen and thx you know his his willpower to, to break out of this should have been what got them out but instead they do something so strange i where they introduce this, and you guys will have to help me here, they introduce this hologram character, and the hologram can see right through, and he's the one that lets them out. It's almost like a deus ex machina, this guy, in this moment. Yeah, you're right. And I wonder, because he talks about, oh, you know, you see the holograms, you know, I'm, I'm one of them, but I spent too long in my circuit, so I broke out, I wanted to be, to be free, kind of like THX has. But I didn't know if they were saying that this guy shares the delusion... Like, he was just, that was just his place that he worked, and he just thought that he was a hologram, but came to life. Or if they're actually saying that he was a literal hologram that just decided to be real and became real. That's an interesting question to pose. <laughs> <laughs> I just took it as read that he actually was a hologram and just went with it. But I totally, I didn't even consider the alternative interpretation which now that you have spoken it, I I could I could see that as well. Um, of course, there's a little bit more of a leap of faith in thought as a viewer yes. <laughs> to get to that point. Because the reason I just took it as read is that he was a hologram, even though he just looks like any other um, normal human in the movie. I just thought they were just trying to draw a connection to the metaphor that... Um, a hologram escaping its known parameters, its electronic parameters, 
into the real world. I just thought that was just like to be a metaphor as to think of the situation with THX. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I didn't I didn't really think further on it. I mean, you could totally be right, and weirdly, both theories could be true at the same time. I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's that's where that's where my thoughts were because. Um, you know, there's a lot of other movies that came after that this reminds me of thematically. Um, and one of those uh, was Tron. And so, hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely what I thought about was the original Tron, especially after me, the hologram. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll discuss some more of him later because, yeah, maybe I have to ruminate more as the discussion goes on. I did like that we get the, the early kind of Star Wars holograms represented by their uh, their TV entertainment they get in their little unit there. Um, but what do you guys think of the first introduction to that unit when we see THX after a long day of work, settling down for some, uh, I guess, remote masturbation? I don't know what that is, but <laughs> but you guys got the, the CGI included version, too, when we see like a robot arm in there and stuff. What do you guys think about that? What did the holograms look like in the original version that you watched? They look pretty much the same. Just, um, okay. yeah, a little less clarity. Yeah, right. I was wondering, because throughout this movie, I guess I'll just say it now, uh, I had a similar experience to watching this film with the director's cuts to when I watched first watch Ghost in the Shell, 1995, where, <laughs> I, where I, I think I mentioned this before, but I he lends me his copy there, and I, I watch it, but it's the 2.0 version that Mamoru Oshii um, goes back and, you know, kind of Lucasifies it and special editions excuse me and so i'm like okay so there's like this awesome you know hand-drawn animation and then all of a sudden cgi's here this cgi wouldn't have existed in 1995 and then of course i later realized i find the original edition without any of the cgi i'm like <sighs> so yes just like eric uh i also was taken out uh when i saw the cgi i'm like oh i don't like that i i see there you go caleb you finally hear me say it it's like, I don't like that. That seems inserted after the fact. and They don't include the original. It's like, ah, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I'm not really feeling that. Um, but anyway, with the, you know, I guess, pleasuring themselves, is that, again, a sign of him not on sedation at all? Or uh, are every other is every other individual doing a similar activity or habits when they get home from work? I think they are. I would think so too. Yeah, I mean that's the whole reason the hollows are provided in the first place. Wait a minute. Yeah, it's a state-approved uh, self-pleasure. Okay, I was going to say, wait a minute. Holograms are holograms in this case the equivalent of droids, Caleb? Uh, you expand a little bit further for me. Uh, as in, you know how your big thing with droids and Star Wars is that they're enslaved. So in this universe, are holograms the same where they're enslaved in the, you know, we see this one hologram, you know, just appear in the limbo with them. And it's like, yeah, I, just, I stopped. I didn't want to be enslaved anymore. So I, I, I left. Well, it seems like everyone here is a slave for some sort of corporate rule or something. So <laughs> you're fit in. No, but that's an interesting point, though. Now, there's another wrinkle, I think, that Isaac has just introduced in the conversation or thinking about this movie. Because... I didn't get this from the movie itself, but from reading about the movie, it seems to explain that, like, the hollow images, like the ones he's viewing, like the programs he's watching, Mm -hmm. um, 
that those are all synthesized, um, that they're not real people um, being shown in, in those hollow images. Um, so hmm. I took it as, oh, they're just like AIs or something that don't exist in the physical world. But then when we talk about the other guy who says he's a hologram later in the movie, now that begs the question, Yeah, are those images filled with like, like physical beings who you could physically touch they're just not real people yeah i wonder where they got that from and is he one of those people who was like in those types of hollow images like not really a a true person so now now that's very confusing because i sort of assumed they were two different things but like do they call them holograms the like the things that he's watching um after work or are we just calling them holograms because that's what they look like yeah i was just calling them holograms thanks to that guy because he he says something and it's weird this movie has like very few jokes but when he pops up i guess they treat him as like half comic relief or something and he says like oh you know that you ever watched that one uh i forget which one he says but he's like oh i did the arm and the leg i was like what do you mean by that <laughs> i don't know if any of you guys are around that scene i, I... no i remember that scene that was, that's kind of... yeah i remember it too it yeah all of a sudden as soon as he shows up he uh yeah there's a bit of levity and it's some you know humor in there and another thing with that is that so there's a i'm not gonna say there's stilted acting or stilted dialogue in this it's very particular i think it actually yeah it's like it's like sterile yeah it's actually plays to lucas's strengths i i suppose uh (laughs) yeah you're right i'd agree with that pardon me for saying that lucas of course but like you know as you said man can't write dialogue but in this case i think it actually works out well because it's a dystopic future uh you know, ruled by like totalitarian authority. And when this guy comes in, when this hologram air quotes shows up, all of a sudden he kind of speaks normally. It's like, what are you guys doing here? It's like, wow, that's a sentence that I never thought I'd hear. Yeah. Maybe this is my weird, unintentional racial bias. But when they first see the guy at a distance, like, oh, look, there's somebody there and he's waving at us. And then as he gets closer and then, um, and comes more into view than THX and Sen get like really apprehensive and anxious looking. Yep. I thought initially it's because this guy is a black man because I don't know if we saw any black characters prior to this point in the movie. Only holograms. Right. You're right. The holograms. So I thought they were just kind of like, whoa, like I've never seen anyone who looked like you before, which, you know, I wasn't sure if there was some type of like, selective breeding so to speak or if this guy you know is like from somewhere else um like in the system and so that's what i thought their initial reaction was was like whoa we've never seen anyone like this but they don't really they don't go further into that line of thinking i don't think after that yeah i I wondered the same thing i was like yeah you know there really wasn't everyone was just white bald folks i was like yeah maybe yeah maybe someone's going on there but but there could have been some in the background and we just missed them I mean, there's some, some of those background shots. There's so many people walking around. It's hard to. Yeah, I'm not sure if I saw some maybe later in the movie in the background. Yeah. But I couldn't recall anyone before that sequence, though. So it's partly why he stood out. And the fact that he's so tall and huge. I mean, that stands out, too. Yeah, and he also just, like Isaac mentioned, he, he seems like he has a different vibe than everyone else. He seems yes more jovial. And I feel like that would work more if there wasn't one or two scenes in here that I feel like make that a bit confusing 
And I'll point one out for you guys. I don't know if you guys pay much attention to this scene, but both times I watched it, it bothered the hell out of me, and I didn't understand why they included it at all. Um, so when we 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 get this actually really cool scene with THX, um, when he's uh being kind of, it seems like they're I don't know like maybe putting something into him or controlling him in some way. These guards they're making him move around, and they keep shocking different parts of his body. I think that scene's pretty cool. And they get until he's like put into the, uh, I don't know, the, the fetal position. He's like down on the ground. And we get we get this really strange scene where we get these two guys that are, I guess, just supposed to be like regular guys working. And they're accidentally fucking up and they're making THX like fling out his limbs and stuff. And those guys, I feel like, also talk like they don't belong in this movie. They talk just like regular folks. They're making like half cracks to each other and stuff. And it was like, oh, this this feels just so strange. And it never comes back that they're doing, like, control stuff to THX after this point. Like, we see the mind lock early on. But it never comes back that, oh, he, he can't escape because we can just control him. So I was like, wow, why, did, why didn't Lucas just cut this? This does not play at all with the rest of the movie, I don't think. You know, I didn't think about that scene much. But now that you bring it up, it kind of reminds me of the world in, um, in the, the newer HBO Westworld series. It kind of gives one the sense, like, have you seen that? Caleb? Yep, at least the first uh, two seasons. Yeah, me too. So it kind of gives the sense that perhaps in this world um, like most of the humans we see, like THX even though they're biological humans, but they're treated and used and controlled kind of like the um, androids in the Westworld series but there's a certain class of people, whether they're workers or in charge or anything, whatever, but there's a separate class who kind of like are the maintainers or the people who run it. Um, so they're outside the system, quote unquote. So it kind of comes off to me. That's what, who those guys are kind of like people in the control room in the Westworld series. They're they're They, they exist outside of the contrived world, I guess. Um, and I think that's what would make their antics like more understandable or believable. Yeah, and, and that would that would probably work if we didn't see so many other people who are working in the seemingly the top level of these places that were just as robotic as everyone else. Like with the whole mind log thing, we see like these different levels of, of power. And I, I love that scene too, because we get to the very top and they're just like ignoring whatever's down on the ground. People down there are like, please abort this mind log. This is this is a disastrous time. And they're just like, oh, priority mind lock, just keep plowing forward. And then at the end, after they fuck up, they're like, oh, this 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 uh, office accepts no responsibility for erroneous mind lock. I thought that whole bit was was funny in its way. I guess perhaps the reason why some of these different concepts are try hard to suss out out of the movie itself is just because there's, from a production point of view or writing point of view, there's more emphasis on the allegory and less emphasis on the world building to where it all makes sense because mm -hmm. um, like what you were just talking about with them sort of like half disregarding like the major incident that happens and the whole mind 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 lock thing now see that kind of reminds me of the situations and drama depicted in the hbo chernobyl series hmm. have you seen that yep but in general like i think they're 
sort of conveying the same message with that scene in the movie and kind of like what they're going for with the Chernobyl series, which is if you have a sort of totalitarian like governing structure um, where you're trying to control every aspect of everything, you're going to have kinks in the system, not just like a radical person, but I mean, um, because it's such a, like a dog eat dog world in the hierarchy um, in Chernobyl. Um, and because you're trying to control everything, you will unintentionally create misreporting and, and not going through proper channels. Um, so that when something does potentially go wrong, um, you can't handle it as well because, because the rules that everyone's operating under are so rigid. Um, and then the whole mind lock thing is also kind of saying that if people aren't allowed to think freely in their everyday lives, then things that could be potentially fixed or taken care of at a low level will get exacerbated if you're under some figurative mind control in the real world. Does that make sense? My explanation? Yeah. Yeah. It makes some sense. Okay, good. (laughs) So I think they're going more the allegory or allegorical take in the movie and not so concerned with how this all jives in the, in the movie universe. Yeah. And that, that's why I say the movie has a bit of a schizophrenic nature to it of just, it never really seems like it has a clear path of what it is trying to do at, at one time or another. And, and I'll, I'll say, I, I, I know I'm being quite critical. I, I like the film quite a bit, but I just think it has some, some big flaws to it. Um, but if there's one thing that I really like that I think they weave through well throughout the whole picture up until the, the last frame is this element of, because, yeah, we have this really controlled, seeming like, I don't know if it's like a corporate, yeah, uh, I don't know. They, they basically turn these people into just cogs in their, their big machine. And everything's so crisp and white. There's in their units. They even dispose of the stuff that they bought after after getting home to to enjoy it for a brief time. Uh, but every now and again, we see behind the works that life is just finding its way in. We get an early scene when there's a, a guy reporting that he found some sort of biological component stuck between some works. Later on, we see this little. Uh, I think in your version, it's some sort of like rep- reptile, flying reptile thing. And the one I'm watching right now, the original, it's just like a regular reptile. And later on, we see a rat just hanging out. Uh, he runs past um, SEN's feet when he's in their little subway area. And then at the very end, we see that they're like, oh, nothing could survive on the surface. THX, don't go up there. But when he gets up there, we see that there's still birds flying around. So it's like... Oh, I didn't notice the bird. And... Actually, I think, yeah, one of the weird creatures, and I didn't think about this now until you highlighted it all. I think it was like a scorpion or something that we saw um, by Sen's feet. Oh, yeah, the, the rat. Yeah, they replaced it with that weird scorpion. I don't know what they're doing with that, but okay. Well, I mean, it, it goes along with the theme that you're bringing up, but that was another CGI inclusion that was like, what the hell am I looking at? <laughs> but I like this theme that no matter how much you try to control life, It'll always find its way. Uh, the human control is just not powerful enough to to really stop it. Yeah. And so I like the way that they weave that and how that ties into THX's own story. It's crazy how a lot of these themes, like I mentioned Tron earlier, and now you're kind of getting into Jurassic Park territory, obviously Michael Crichton, and I mentioned Westworld. 
and uh, another one I I was going to bring up earlier um, like when we were talking about um, the humans having a way to like um, release their sexual tension in in a masturbatory way kind of makes me think of um, like the matrix and, and the computers taking control of humans but having to do something to deal with their minds um, so mm. that they can continue to store them as, as human batteries, etc. Like, this definitely plays on all the very common themes of a lot of sci-fi, um, and especially of this era. I mean, or getting into 70s sci-fi. It's definitely along all those similar lines. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention when we were talking about that masturbation scene, I wondered because after he was done, he flips through the channels and eventually gets to a video of a guard just beating a man on the ground. And I was like, is that supposed to be some, uh, some like expressing guilt after the, the sexual pleasure act? Cause she all these folks are part of some sort of weird religion. I don't know if they have that weird sexual guilt that, that some folks get. I, di- I didn't take it as like sexual guilt. I just took it as like they need to satisfy their sexual urges there's a certain element of satisfying like um, your violent urges or your or your tendency to think of violent things um, almost in like an opposite manner as another movie like I couldn't help but think about along with this movie Clockwork Orange like mm. I almost took it as like the flip side of what they're doing in Clockwork Orange um, with the violent imagery um because instead of trying to uh create negative reactions to it like in clockwork orange in this they're just trying to use it as a way to sedate a person through violent images no that's interesting yeah i could see some of that makes me almost think of uh, uh vengeance vengeance on veros oh my gosh how they're uh... <laughs> yeah 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 but it's analogous to like um the way historians, the reasons they say that, you know, they used to have like the gladiator games um, in Roman times. Again, for like, to people, for people to get their like violent, grotesque satisfaction without actually having to go to like full on war or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I was curious. So, what do you guys think about the, the religion aspect that uh, they use this pre programmed religious box to? I guess lull these people. Um, so we have these confession booths with like a state-run religion, which is a thing in real life, but it's like electronic Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I think they call him Ohm. And it, oh jeez, <laughs> and it um, it spills out, spits out rhetoric and pre-programmed lines to say like, can you be more? <laughs> specific <laughs> whenever you know it doesn't understand something fully and that obviously is giving me a lot of vibes nowadays it was again what i like about this film is it, i could also see a lot of stuff nowadays not as extreme of course and hyperbolic but there's some stuff that i think is applicable to nowadays society oh yes yes and i like the way that they use the religion to just keep people they almost do it's almost like self-therapy you come in you know you do your prayers you try to find your path and yeah you get these pre-programmed responses and maybe it helps some maybe maybe it doesn't help others 
But I do like that he always ends with some sort of push to, uh, you know, just be just be thankful that you have a job to fulfill, a place in society, and don't forget to keep spending that money and keep uh, participating in in commerce. I like that they throw that in there too, and, and that that's kind of one why I wonder if this is like a corporate a corporate dystopia or uh, I'm not I'm not exactly again they don't really do great world building, but. I kind of wonder if that's what they're going for. Well, I think they're being ambiguous on purpose because you could see it as corporate. Yeah. Or you could just see it as, again, like totalitarian in general. But also another series I'm very reminded of uh, from watching this movie um, <laughs> is Blade Runner, of course. Um, but with the part we were just discussing, it's very reminiscent in Blade Runner 2049. Like when... Um, Ryan Gosling's character has to have like his psyche valves hmm. anytime he seems like unsure about something or is like kind of questioning something he kind of has to like talk to a computer or something that just makes sure he's on the up and up um, with everything very very similar concept and again I think they're being ambiguous on purpose in the movie like you could take it that in the real world the relationship people have with um their religious beliefs like this could be a comment on um people who who practice religion in their own way um i mean even if they go to church or whatever um and it could be a comment on oh you just read a verse in the bible or a preacher or someone just tells you this and it sedates you or it sedates a lot of people but for other people in the real world perhaps it comes off just as fake as like religion in general comes off just as fake as the way um the religion is depicted in the movie um i like i think you can you could uh you can interpret it that way or you could go the other direction again and just this is a whole totalitarian construction of a society um so they're just offering this service to quell the masses just like they have the masturbatory service or you know the explicit violence channel yeah so but i but i think it's open like from the movie itself it's open to interpretation um it's not strictly saying it's either this or that yeah yeah but it just as a way to uh yeah, dictate people's uh, maybe moral codes using this religion might help keep them in line in that way. And then, yeah, if they need uh, help more than just the sedation that they have, they have this sort of uh, therapist and hope for, for help. They don't really go into the religion to save it as like a hope for an afterlife, but that can also be uh, another assistant of using a religion against people. Yeah, and like, yeah, further on the argument on the side of, let's just say this is just offering another thing that humans just need if they're held in captivity or whatever um it's just showing that that it's still one of the i guess base essential things that human beings need in general is some type of religious thing to turn to even if we mm -hmm. have to create it artificially and once again i'm reminding of something else and i think yeah caleb's seen it but talking <laughs> to the therapist or whatever not only like blade runner 2049 but there's that episode of um, Mandalorian season three as well. Remember with the character that's sort of undergoing a conversion. Uh, 
I've seen the whole series, so I should remember it, but... Oh, is it that one episode where most of it is kind of stepped away from our regular characters? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Yes, and then that character is going through this rehabilitation program, and he has to check in with, like, a droid counselor or something. Yeah. Um, periodically, and just ask these stupid questions. I mean, the droid does. And then if the person receiving the quote-unquote therapy or consultation has like a curious query or something the droid just gives them like some boilerplate like bland answer yeah no that yeah oh, that that is a good comparison actually i like that mm. yeah and i'll say uh since we haven't really talked too much about robert duvall's performances or performance in general in this movie i guess we do get some varied uh different types of takes on thx in this i really like him uh not not only just breaking down in the uh, confession booth like we see the second time, but the first time when he comes in, and he really does seem like he believes that he's talking to, to something higher. I think he plays that very well. And then with, with his whole uh, withdrawal in the next uh, scene, I think that was done really well too. And throughout, I think we do get mostly pretty good performances. You can feel some of the amateur vibe of this, or the uh, maybe not amateur, but um, yeah, lower budget kind of sensibilities poking through every now and again with some of the performances but i think getting robert duvall and donald pleasance in, in the center of it really helped uh, elevate this thing no i agree they were great um and i thought la was was quite good for her role yeah though yeah when you talk about like more amateurish or low budget acting chops or whatever the only one who comes to my mind at at certain times is um the hologram man yeah. Uh, later, he he's the one who kind of just seems like a random person who kind of got to, you know, get along with the production. But yeah. But other than that, yeah, everyone else seemed fine for what for what they need to do. And the older older generation man in the purgatory world, he looks so familiar. I think he's reminding me of another or a different um, senior actor in the 1980s and i think i'm just associating him with that other actor um because they have like a little bit similar faces and a little bit similar vibe uh i can't think of the 80s actor's name but uh pretty sure he was the husband to jessica tandy in real life or maybe he's just reminding me also of other elder character actors like in um tos or something but he seems really, really familiar. He, yeah, I, I'm looking up right now. He must have been in many things prior to this. Yeah, and just since you're bringing up the whole prison section, I guess we could get into that a little bit more. Isaac, do you do you feel like jumping in for any of that there, or? Oh uh, yeah, why not? Uh, apologies if I haven't been receptive. It's just yeah, I'm kind of listening to you guys. Given that this is my first interpretation of the, or first watch of this whole thing, so oh, mine as well. By the way, well, you're doing a much more professional job than I am. Um, yeah, I know purgatory. Um, so it seems yeah, they're they're dissonance, and they're they're putting here. They're something's off about their mental well being as compared to. Uh, the rest of, you know, people who are, you know, taking their pharmaceuticals, uh, their daily dosage. And so we have, you know, people and it's weird, it's weird because 
Donald Pleasant's character kind of seems like he's like maybe I was wrong on revolutionary, but it just sounded like he was coming up with radical ideas. Yeah, uh, he was talking yeah. about like bringing down the system. Uh, let's 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 have an uprising, like as Muse would say. Um, let's and even the. I guess the the older gentleman he he seemed like he either was trying to bring back the old ways maybe that's why he like crime of of being old and having knowledge and being uh, the, the same man of like yeah we will we will you know like the the guy from Avengers when Loki shows up and he stand he he stands up when everybody's kneeling it's like I'm not letting this happen in Germany again you know something something like that. That's interesting to bring up because on the older man, because I saw similarities to what you're saying, except on the flip side, um, because like you brought up that particular character in Avengers and, and I'm with you halfway on that. Cause I thought, and again, I've only seen it once, uh, He's definitely representing the older generation, but I took him as someone, let's say, an elder, um, let's say an elder Jewish person in World War II Germany, who, despite all the changes in society, if we're talking about World War II, he's an older guy who's just saying, let's just go along. Like, I took him more as like, let's not fight. Let's just go with the flow. Like it's pointless to try to fight. Yeah, that that's pretty much how I take it too. Yeah, we get Sen, who's yeah, I guess become radicalized that oh, we can't let them put us in this box of people who don't fit into society. We need to show them that we're willfully choosing to opt out of this uh, this system. And yeah, the old man's basically like, oh, we just need to accept our lot in life. You know, we just need to reflect. Yeah, the old man says. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the old man says, like, yeah, I had thoughts like you when I was younger. But, you know, but it's like he's he's had more time to think on it, and, and he, he's deemed it, like, kind of ridiculous and futile. Yeah, and he himself has become this yeah, complacent, like, husk. And he's kind of uh, being like, oh, you know, I used to have this, this fire me for this violence, but I realized, oh, it's better to be reflective. And then in the, the background, we get this third, I don't know, third piece of the human experience, which is just this raw, untamed nature. We get Sid Haig, a, a big uh, exploitation, regular Sid Haig, showing up here at a, a dialogueless role. <laughs> I couldn't tell if that was him, but I guess it is. And and again, this, this whole prison section, from the when, when, for some reason, they return LUH to thx so they can have one last sex session i don't understand why that was there that seems to make no sense at all and then we get to this prison little purgatory area where there's just one random woman who's there and she looks like she's had a hell of a rough hell of a rough time of it her clothes are already all torn apart and sid Haig, yeah he immediately tries to lay in some sexual assault stuff and yeah that, that's just going on in the background while the other two are having these kind of philosophical debates and then um, he even ends up punching uh, Sen, someone who he'd probably agree with, a, a place to funnel his his rage and anger. He just punches him, and then he starts destroying this guard pointlessly since the guards aren't even really 
guarding them. I don't really know why the guard was even there. I guess to get him to stop uh, beating people up. So uh, this this whole section feels like it's just here for maybe one of the only parts of the movie where it's just here for abstract message purposes. And it feels a little bit, to me, out of place with the, the tone of the rest of the movie. Overall, I like this section, or I think it's fine. Yeah, I'm, I still have questions about, like you said, like the the last sexual encounter, because I haven't unraveled that in my brain yet. But putting that aside, I I did find this section just interesting in general. And once again, I have to make another reference. But it reminds me a lot of um, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. Um, and abstractly I think that's a good comparison not necessarily that movie but that situation being in a, in the old timey type of quote unquote asylum, asylums mm-hmm. um, because or like I think it's, a, it's an apt comparison or metaphor uh, because if we think about just the idea of the old school insane, insane asylums these are people who weren't able to function in normal society under normal societal rules and customs. So they're put in these places and they're all put together and you have all these different weird personality types and people who have different type of mental issues going on and they're all just kind of put together and some are violent and deviant or whatever. And others are just real talky and chatty and, and kind of in their own heads um, and discussing their own ideas on philosophy and the world. But yet at the end of the day, it's all a moot point, whatever they discuss, because they're in this insane asylum, like, you know, sectioned off from, from quote unquote, the real world. So I just think that's a really good metaphor happening in this scene overall. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I just don't know how well it coheres with what, what they're going for overall. But I think the scene itself is fun. I, I enjoy this whole section, but I I just don't feel like it really adds anything. And especially when you consider that this whole kind of prison of the mind. Because again, when when they're they're like walking for seemingly hours in maybe an endless loop. And it's not until this hologram shows up and just like, oh, look right behind you. There's the exit. And yeah, it, it feels like whatever idea they're actually going for here, I, I don't think it really comes out i don't know but this always happens this happened like in our recent discussion with 2001 where when you start pointing things out caleb then then my brain starts going and i'm like hmm so you know like all the scenes we see in this purgatory whatever you want to call it are the only scenes in the movie i think where it looks like you know they're just like on a cyclorama so it gives that image of it's just infinite nothing yeah um and again, I think that's a that's a purposeful metaphor uh, of either literally being being trapped in a a sane asylum or figuratively being trapped in that kind of way that you can just walk and walk and not ever make any progress, metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. um, when you're trapped in that type of situation. And you know, still trying to figure out the hologram. I mean, in the in terms of the movie universe, but just thematically i guess a way to get out of a metaphorical um purgatory 
is to have a guide who is someone who has already succeeded before you. Um, and I think that metaphor works for real life too. That if you feel stuck in a situation, even metaphorically speaking, and you're just talking to the same people, like their advice can just turn you around in circles, but not really advance your cause in any real way. But if you do find someone who's all already successfully got themselves out of some type of metaphoric prison, that's the kind of person who potentially could really help you go in a different direction. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking about some of that too, and I was trying to find a way to distance myself from the rest of the movie and just take this little pocket section on its own. But yeah, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't put it all together. And the two, the two, uh, the beginning and the end of it, I feel like, are the parts that confuse me the most with why do we have this hologram there? I mean, I guess what you're saying could fit, but it just, it, I, don't, I don't think it has a satisfying quality to it. And then why they would allow him to repeat the same sin that got him here with the sexual impropriety. I just can't figure out how that would... I mean, maybe you just have to remove it from the internal logic of the movie itself and just take it as some sort of metaphor, but... I just don't see how it could really add up well. I feel like if I analyze the last sexual encounter again in the context of the movie, I feel like I'll be able to pull something out of that. Because I have some ideas in my head, but I, but they're not fully formed unless I really go back and, and view it again. Yeah, I tried to I tried to find some way to finagle like a rebirth there or some sort of... Um, not rebirth, but some sort of solidification but I just couldn't quite get there and I was even wondering I was like okay this this purgatory are all these characters meant to be like pieces of uh, THX's um, his psychology all they're all just representations of where he's at right now uh, but I just I could not could not make the pieces come together in a way that made sense and we get this the introduction of this this um, shell dweller they call them yeah this dwarf shows up and this big guy who maybe he's blind, I, I couldn't, he, something was going on there. He starts chasing him around and that's finally the last straw that breaks THX and he causes some, some violence himself before he finally decides that I have to get away from, from this group. And the way you were talking about, like, are possibly these other characters, do they represent manifestations of, um, of THX's inner thoughts? Jeez, that's like season one of the series legion i don't know if you ever saw that yeah but uh but before the film itself yeah did you uh does that spark anything for either of you guys because i'm really trying i'm really trying with this but I, I like this whole sequence here this whole i think it looks great i think there's some fun uh donald pleasance i think is really fun during it i love that his whole bit because uh, again there's very few humor in this but i do like when he's like oh thx you know, I, I, I wrote you this contract. We're going to stick together. I got this contract for you. And all it says is, you're with me. I thought that was a funny little joke. So so I, I quite like this this section. I just wish it had some some way to fully work with the rest of the movie. But I, I yeah. after four viewings, I f feel like it doesn't fully. So, I mean, I'm fine with the concept of, of them being perhaps manifestations of his thoughts. But I don't think... I mean, it's fine concept to think about and consider, but I don't think that's what's actually going on in the movie. 
I'm no. still kind of I'm kind of hooked on this. These are people who can't function in regular society in their society. Um, I just watched um, the uh, the the final sexual encounter again, um, and so uh, an idea I was kind of cooking during this discussion was perhaps at the end of the day they still in the society still rely on embryos or fetuses being produced in the natural way um and, uh, and maybe they they um maybe it's like through breeding and captivity maybe that's how they produce um or that's how they procreate like they just can't have it you know in the normal way in regular society which is obviously why it's against the rules but perhaps they breed people in captivity and that's how they keep the population going do you uh do you remember what happens to her um they take her away or what do you mean no they turn her into a fetus they like recycle her no no i remember that i know i remember that and but i but i didn't know because i know they gave the name to the fetus or whatever the designation but i didn't yeah. know if it was literally her physical body that was repurposed for the fetus or if they just gave the name to her progeny um like as if they extracted like the embryo or fetus from her body and then just transferred the designation uh they they could have done that i think that they were saying that that's her but we also know that she was already pregnant so they wouldn't need her to be uh yeah for them to have intercourse again <laughs> oh that is true that is true that is that is true that is true forgot about that element yeah but i didn't think the fetus was a reconstitution of her i thought it was just like it's obviously a different person and now they're just passing on the the designation and it's, it's no longer obviously no longer the person you knew before and that person's gone well the hologram definitely says it is her but he also says after that like oh maybe holograms we just can't understand these things like lasers and computers and right right so. right so that's why yeah i don't take i don't take that as red um especially because of that um and the other weird thing i'm thinking about with the whole cyclorama effect of, of it just being like a room with no discernible bounds um my gosh i wonder how many of these things i'm bringing up actually had thx in their mind or it's just coincidental creativity um but if you've seen like under the skin um one of the opening scenes um when uh scarlett johansson's character is like disrobing um this woman who's been killed or whatever um and that has a look that is very much like this um purgatory place and it, and it's kind of weird in the under the skin movie too because most of the movie takes place quote unquote in the real world it's only really this scene in the beginning where like we see what's happening but it's done like in this expressionistic way that it definitely doesn't look like the real world um when scarlett johansson's like assuming her identity or or something of that manner um but it whether intentional or not it very much feels like a visual callback and gives the same sense of 
we're not in the real world anymore for this time that we're just seeing like a, a an expression of the real world um yeah i did see under the skin and i can see the comparison but but yeah i kind of think they're used to similar effect um like yeah. they don't only just look similar but i think they're trying to convey the same idea in both films whether again whether it's intentional or not um but yeah so then we i guess we can move past because i guess we're at an impasse with the prison section i don't really know yeah i don't have a full reading of it i'm assuming either of you <laughs> feel like you have a full reading of it well or maybe thanks for giving me some time because I, I i here's my interpretation even not full on here too so before the uh final um reproduction not reproduction but before the final sexual act scene that's when those two knuckleheads are kind of controlling his body correct yeah 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 around around that time yeah okay this is a stretch but i wonder if they make him believe to see uh his mate his 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 bug mate potentially I did wonder. Unless you already went through that idea. Yeah, if, if somehow this was in his head, but I couldn't square that either. But but keep going, keep going. Yeah, that's, no, that's all it was. Was just like those two inferred with his, like interfered with his brain, somehow giving him the thought that you know the last thing he would see or the thing that he would want, like most desire, is to see her, regardless of boundaries. And so that's how he was able to see her, I guess. And then the guards come in and I guess just knock some sense into him. <laughs> yeah, and maybe trying to study the sexual impulse. Because, yeah, what the hell were those guys doing? I, I, I feel like there's, in the movie itself, I don't feel like there's any reason for that scene at all. So maybe your explanation would give some justification as to why they were doing that weird stuff to him and why they would allow that sexual act to, to go forward, even though it's yeah illegal. <laughs> I also realized that during that scene, um, besides the guards who come to separate them and take her away and everything, it's the first time we see one of the guys like in the beige yep. um, jumpsuits. So maybe there is some type of connection for whoever wears the beige, you know, work in the reproduction department or whatever. Because again, you know, we see that person later with the, um, like the organ retrieval area or whatever it is. Hmm. But again, yeah, she was already pregnant. Yeah, I, I understand. So I think that throws a, a wrinkle onto that. But it could lead, lead credence to the like, the study aspect. Could be. Um. But yeah, I guess moving away from, yeah, that impasse there, we we can move on to, yeah. So Sen decided that he was going to stick with. THX. I did like that he put up airs like, oh, I'm just going to investigate the barrier, see what we have to face, and then I'll return to uh, to rescue you folks. But yeah, as we see, he has quite the character change as it goes on. And what, what do we feel about THX's character? Do we feel like he has much of a change from this point forward, or is he kind of set up until his, uh, his escape? Like, change in what way? Like, have, have a... Like, do you feel like his arc comes to an end after they leave the uh, the prison? Because that's kind of how I feel. I, I feel like from that point on, it's set to escape, whether that's escape with his three companions, including L.U.H., or if it's yeah, just to escape on his own, which is what it ultimately ends up being. He's kind of found his direction and is plowing forward. 
Yeah, 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 definitely. Because isn't there a conversation earlier on in the apartment where La is the one who suggests that they can go to the outer region or outer shell or something? And at that point, he's not on board. He's like, there's no way. All right. Was it her who had that idea? Yeah, she said that they could go live in the superstructure, which I wrote down. I was like, what? What? Again, they don't do much world building. But right, right. I wonder if that's a place not so corporate controlled like they are. Right, right. Yeah, it seems like an in-between place, like in the fringes or whatever of like the habitable areas. That's the way I took it. Um, and And yeah, obviously he's not on board. But yes, through what happens... Um, and the purgatory and the punishment and then losing love. Um, yeah, I think he firmly gets set on a path, obviously, to get out of this system. Yeah, and that's kind of why I wonder why they included this hologram, because the hologram really doesn't play. I mean, he helps find LUH, find out what happened to her, because he apparently has a way with computers, even though he says that he doesn't understand computers. He's able to see through the illusion of the prison and locate LUH on the computer there. So a bit weird. Yeah, if we... Um, but I feel like otherwise, his character really doesn't have much purpose. I feel like it would have been much more valuable to have THX find his way out of the prison. Oh, okay. If we're talking arc-wise. Okay, I see what you're saying. I I mean, I think it's uh, it's going through the... Um, oh, who's, what's the name of the famous book on uh, on story arcs that everyone always references? Um, and it's referenced a lot, like when people talk about Star Wars. Oh, a Thousand Faces. Yeah. Here with a Thousand Faces, sorry. Yeah, but it, it, it's also coined after a certain person. Joseph Campbell? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. I think it just it's just kind of an element of that Joseph Campbell um, hero arc where you include some type of guide figure, a Jiminy Cricket or something, um, even if this hologram character doesn't really have all the answers. But I kind of think that's just why he exists at all, rather than THX finding his whole way through the figurative labyrinth. Uh, it's just like someone to assist. And again, like if we're thinking, of, if, if if I compare this metaphorically, like to the original Matrix, you know, if THX is like Neo, who's plugged in the system, the hologram is like one of the people on the Nebuchadnezzar who have already successfully escaped the prison and are just giving an assist to our protagonist. Well, it, it, when your assist comes in in the final act, uh, as the, <laughs> I, I feel like that is not a helpful position to put that character in. That should be at the start of the journey. <laughs> well, like you say, too, he's also certainly like a... Um, he certainly is like also a deus ex machina in more ways than one. Yes. And that's yeah. a given as well. So is he a hard light projection, say, like Love? I think her name was Love, right? From Blade Runner 2049? Uh, they, I mean, it certainly seems like he dies with the car wreck. Um, could be. Yeah, they don't, they again don't really say. Well, they say that when when the car wrecks, there's no like there's no uh, person in there. There's no felon inside. So either like he escaped oh. or his uh, projection, his hard light, like dissipated finally. Like I I wonder if that's interesting. Uh, what is it? I wonder if what Lucas was trying to go for was like 
this, this would be in the special edition as well. But like, if you wanted to make like an actual like, how do I put this? A hol a holographic being, if that makes sense. Like he's got an aura to him, or he's made of like. <laughs> He couldn't do this if, you know, like he had, like, gold dust or something like that all over him. It's like, all right, that may not work for this world. But you know what I'm saying, right? Where it's a it's digital yeah. being. I know what you're saying. But it is also curious that the hologram is hungry at times. Yeah, you're right. That, that's, that's, a, that's a weird wrinkle. And going back to the scene of, I guess, when the guards or whatever you want to call them come across the wreck. I mean... Yes, maybe he escaped. Um, maybe he was hard light who no longer exists corpor corporally. Or, oh, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. I was going to say, or maybe his physical body is there. It's just they don't refer to people like him as even being people. Um, kind of like in Star Wars, um, uh, when the droids are in the escape pod and they detect no signs of life. That's what I said. Oh, is that what you said? Sorry. Well, I said I didn't say that, but I said I, I mentioned how like, holograms are droids in this universe. Oh yes, you did mention that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, maybe they are like a second class um, life form or whatever. Well, they obviously are second class. Technically, the, I don't think they're ever in pursuit of him, and I don't think he'd be a felon. So it could have just been, again, weird, maybe weird wording. There's no felon in this vehicle, <laughs> but it's just him dead. Yeah, maybe because I forget during most of the chase sequences and they keep calling out in the bulletin who's missing. Don't they mostly just reference San and THX? Do they mention the hologram? That's no. what I was going to go for. I don't think yeah. they bring up the hologram at all. Yeah. Nope. So once again, he could have escaped physically or his physical form could be in the wreckage. They just don't even acknowledge that person as a person. No matter how small. Yeah. But either way, in terms of his usage, I feel like they, they only have him for such a brief amount of time. He really doesn't do or add much that they couldn't have done, which is THX having a stronger arc. And I've always felt like, again, the performance as well. It just, it feels like an odd piece, this movie that really should not, in my opinion, it shouldn't be there. I feel like the movie would be stronger without this character. And I guess he does bring some levity, and, and maybe you need that, because, yeah, there isn't much humor in this. Although there is one joke I want to mention, but I'll get to that in a little bit. I definitely like the scene of him trying to get in that car. Yes, that was funny. I did like that, too, because he's such a huge guy trying to get to that tiny little car. And they linger on it so long with him struggling to get in. I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, but I guess I'll just go to my joke joke now if you guys don't have much more to say to that. Um, um, just only that, yes, I agree, the acting is not on par with everyone else. But I just, for whatever reason, like the inclusion of the character and the function. Um, overall, I think it, it, he's a fine inclusion. And kind of reminds me, because I'm, I'm, something's wrong with my brain that I have to think of all these other properties. I know. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of like in Tron how um, our protagonist like finds Bit and Bit is really not essential in the movie in, in much of any way but he's just kind of there for a little bit just to be a little assistant um, and I kind of see this character as almost um, serving the same function as Bit in the Tron movie. 
Yeah, and I, I think I'd be fine with him if, yeah, he was more just kind of a, a fun side character. It's really the fact that he finds the way to that prison, which I feel like is the final step for THX's character arc. I just feel like they, I feel like he disrupts it in a weird way. Yeah, potentially he was, uh, Caleb, as, as as he said, or as you said, uh, it is he is just a deus ex machina, and Lucas, or the other writer, really tried hard to like make him a character, but... There just wasn't enough there, so yeah, maybe that maybe that was the case. But I, I definitely like him for his personality, but I can also see him being very utilitarian and potentially a sex machina. Oh, but I guess I'll move on to that joke. I keep meaning to bring it up. Every time there's a space, I, I'm about to jump into it, but then when do you guys say something else? I did think there was a funny bit at the start of this movie when they're just taking some time to illustrate how docile and controlled and uh, kind of pathetic the, these this workforce has become. We get this funny shot of these two guys standing in an elevator and they're pressing the button and the, the announcer keeps being like, this elevator is out of order. Please use the one to your right. And they just keep pressing it and these two other guys step in and they get out of the way and they just stand aside and now they're letting them press it and it keeps telling them to go to the next elevator. I don't know. For whatever reason, I thought that was quite funny. I liked it both times I watched it. But I had I don't know. Do you guys think that was funny, or am I just a weirdo? <laughs> no, I could see how one could find it funny. I guess I was in analytic mode. Um, well, most of the time when I was watching this movie, same here. So I just took it as an illustration. Like these people are so used to being in the system that when something unexpected happens, like they're helpless to think for themselves and like yeah. make their own decisions. Yeah, quite sad. Actually, I wonder if it was a callback to the student film where we see how THX, not drugged up at all, well, that didn't exist in that point, uh, was, you know, even under that, like, mind lock or whatever they called it, he was able to, like, hit the emergency button or release button, whatever it was, to get out of the elevators. It's like, I wonder if that was a very subtle, like, hint at what this world is like. That's interesting. I mean, it's interesting in the sense of showing the contrast of his mind versus like the typical person in this world. Yeah, no, that is interesting. Mm. Yeah. And even though we don't get that much world building, I think, I think it works just well enough. There's, there's only a couple things. If you really start to think about it, that start to be a little annoying, uh, but we, we definitely get a good sense of how much this world is just, it's not working right. Yeah. Scenes like that, those people, I think one time we see, in their little uh, causeway where they're all walking super fast. We see, like, one guy who's trampled to death. And there's that shot of, like, the robot just walking to the wall repeatedly. Which I also thought was, was kind of funny in some weird way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that also... I mean, it makes me think of Westworld and, and the androids not, obvious, not always working as intended. And it kind of shows... Again, going back to, like, the Chernobyl comparison, that when you can try to control everything, you can't a hundred percent control everything there's always going to be those unexpected things that happen like in Jurassic park like life finds a way like the random mm -hmm. the random things that no one can really control um and i think it's also kind of saying um just like a completely fabricated android or whatever that guard is who goes off course um the same could happen with a human in the system think is what they're trying to say hmm. 
and it's funny though and now it just remind, reminded me of when i worked at amazon um and this was the days at amazon in the warehouses where like the um the robots in the warehouse were like the talk of the town in the industry um and 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 how much they had all these um programmed robots that were that they're all there's like hundreds of robots and they're all hooked into like a master control system not to make a callback to tron but they're all controlled to like they're all connected to like a computer master control system that keeps them all working in unison and they're all like in a specified grid area that is quite large and each individual robot is doing its own thing but the the computer um causes them not to crash into each other because they're all over the place like on a checkerboard sort of and imagine all these moving pieces moving independently on their own paths but not ever crashing into each other but then every once in a while when you work on the floor one of the robots will just go haywire and just kind of go off its invisible track um, or it'll freeze up and it doesn't happen often but then sometimes and then another robot will crash into it and it's always just funny just to like watch it happen in real time Hmm. Sounds like Mo from Wally. Yeah, yeah, and but yeah, a lot of Wally parallels I saw too. But yeah. <laughs> oh, and I guess we haven't really talked about the uh, the robot guards. Um, I like that we see that they're, this is one of those prisons where they're they're building their own guards. THX, we see he's putting them together, and I think they're a pretty cool and, and ominous looking uh, design. I think that's another credit to Lucas and his uh, creating images that just stick with you these guards work in that in that way yeah perfectly perfectly and and then again there's another weird symbiotic relationship with technology and bionic people um biological people which is that obviously the people create the machines but then we wonder again how much technology is involved in creating the people or procreating the people so visually, I was reminded by Alien Isolation, where we have uh, the androids, where, or at least the working Joes. Both, neither of these guys know what I'm talking about, but I was very, I was like, oh, hey, it's the working Joes. And I like how they're programmed uh, to not be, like, not that they won't use violence, but they'll use, like, safe language of, like, uh, when they're they're trapped in that room, it's okay. like the door is locked from the other. Uh, the, the door seems to be locked. Please check the lock on the other side. <laughs> I like that too. I thought that was funny. Yeah, they're like so used to uh, things going in their way. It was kind of, it was actually making me think of Demolition Man to pull out one of Eric's. Uh, yeah, re- referencing <laughs> other things. <laughs> when they're like, oh, there there seems to be something. You seem to have a boggle to the this clear criminal who's trying to break into a car, and they're like, oh, can we help you with that? Because they're just so used to things uh, not going off track. Yeah, maybe we should move towards the uh, the chase. Coming towards the end. Uh, I like that THX, even though he like books it, like he gets he gets in that vehicle and he books it. I love how he waits. Uh, even even if it still is a bit selfish, I love how he waits mm. for the hologram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that too. And even when they lose uh, Sen in the in the the, co- the causeway, I think they call it there. He's not worried about him, too. He's like, oh, crap, where, where is he? What happened to him? Even though he didn't seem to like him, I, I guess he just got... He wanted to help his, his companions. Oh, geez, by the way, since you guys only saw that that CGI scene uh, of the uh, all those... That chaos of all those people, that's one of the few ones where I just... I don't understand why 
George Lucas made that choice because it worked perfectly well, illustrating the exact same point in the original. It had a great chaotic energy. There was people everywhere. But then he... I don't know what the hell he was thinking with that that seat. I think that just looks so strange. I talk about when they go into, like, when they first break out into, the, like, the big hallway. Yeah, the scene where they lose Sen. And there's just, like... Right. I don't remember the CG in that particular section. It's in the background. It's uh, it's all in the background. I don't know if it's CG people, but there's... Maybe there's a few shots of CG people, but there's a lot of, like, background uh, images that are computer-generated. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Oh, no, they fill it out with CG people. Yeah, it's it's weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I don't know if this was before or after the fact, but do you love that line when... Uh, THX is waiting in his cruiser, and he hears. Uh, I think I, I'm. I don't know if you heard this, Caleb. But yeah, I heard a, it. you you know what I'm talking about. The little like insert line, probably after the fact, about like uh, somebody saw Wookie on floor twelve. I did not hear it. Wow. Well, there's wow. a line during the driving chasing scene where there's a communication over the radio that says. I ran over a Wookiee there on the expressway. That's what it was. Thank you. I just was referencing Ghostbusters. Um, and oh I think I read somewhere that I'm not sure if it's like the outer dweller, like dwarf people, or if it's the um, ape-like creatures. But either or is referred to as Wookiees in like the behind-the-scenes lore of of this movie. Um, so so I guess there's they're referencing to like either the dwarf like people or or the um the apes when they talk about a wookiee getting run over. Yeah, and that whole that they do they do a couple in this this special edition where they show a more expansive kind of like bigger section. And when we see these cars driving on this this weird highway, uh it just it struck me as is out of place with the, the overall look of this movie where everything is kind of claustrophobic the only place that felt really big and spacious was that that kind of mind prison everything else felt like it was closed in yeah i tend to agree i really like the the original chase which was all just isolated into these tunnels it makes you feel like these people have been just like uh, cocooned underground yep having that big open thing like that i was like oh this this is weird <laughs> yeah i agree where lucas was like here's what the uh here well, let me like you know show you what's behind the curtains show you the wizard here let me explain the the um the stage trick to you uh and it's like uh no let's let's keep it limited sometimes it's better to be restricted and uh than to reveal uh the what's behind the curtain it was kind of weird to me for a couple reasons but um it like Besides the fact that you can obviously tell it's CG, besides that, the look of it kind of reminded me of a combination of, like, Cloud City in the special editions, but nighttime, like, lit for night, hmm. and kind of, like, interiors of, like, the Death Star or something, like a combination of that aesthetic, but lit for night. Um, and then for some reason, when Isaac said, seeing behind the curtain that made me think of I think it's Toy Story 3 when uh, when during the, the heightened um, chase at the end um, they're like in, in where like the baggage goes 
um, on the conveyor belts. Wait, Toy Story 3 or 2? I thought that was 3. Yeah, that's 2. It's 2? Yeah. Okay, fine. But Toy Story 2 then. Um, but I just... I instantly thought of that um, also because it's like a section of the airport you never see. Um, <laughs> and I never really thought about it until I saw that movie. And now I kind of think about it a lot in general at airports that there's this whole back area and I'm just picturing all these um, pieces of luggage on conveyor belts. Uh, so you, you brought that image into my mind, uh, Isaac, when you mentioned that. But another thing I was wondering about this whole sequence and the chase, it doesn't, like, why are there even so many cars in this world? Yes, no, absolutely. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it seems like the only people who might use cars or the reason you'd have cars is... I mean, you see in the special edition some, like, what look like freight vehicles. Okay, that makes sense. And then maybe, like, the androids or authorities um, would have cars. But no one, you wouldn't think any other regular civilians. Because, like, why would you need it when you live in this very confined world and you already have, let's just call it public transit, like why would and and there's so much lack of individuality in this world yeah um why would there be so many cars it seems like you'd only see like government vehicles or work freight vehicles why would you see personalized vehicles unless there's this whole hidden world that we haven't seen yet which is the the super elite class who lives totally separately and this is like our only glimpse into their world that's like the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, and if that's what it is, I, I feel like it's distracting. It doesn't really fit. It plays much better in the, the theatrical cut where we only see the two police vehicles. I guess whatever those... Uh, yeah, they, they do give like a police siren on the top of the, the car that THX takes. So I guess we're supposed to assume. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that, yeah it makes sense to me that it's supposed to be some type of law enforcement yeah. type vehicle. Yeah, and, and I'll say overall this whole chase sequence which is extended a bit in the the special edition feels like it goes on too long i feel like it goes on a bit too long in both of them but especially in the extended version i, I feel like there's not enough drama there to really sustain i mean it looks cool and, and as a sci-fi flick from the 70s i feel like this gives it a distinct kind of big set piece uh, but they just milk it too long and it becomes a bit yeah i just start to lose interest in it at least for the special edition, I would yeah, I would say it's it's a little bit too long. It's fine, but yeah, definitely could have been a little bit shorter. I uh, I kind of liked it. I could see some pod racing in there, but I I <laughs> definitely love the bit where he overheats the vehicle. It's like okay, so that's how this vehicle works. And by the way, I like uh, that. that that vehicle is amazing. Like that's our let's add that to one of my like favorite sci-fi movie vehicles because man, that thing rips. But yeah, I just love how, I, I yeah, if it was only yeah, if I, if I were to watch the theatrical cut, I'd probably like it a lot more. I just I just like uh, seeing real uh, vehicles in in movies again. Yeah, and I really like the bikes too. I, I like the contrast between the two. Yeah, it's it's mainly that special edition, and they even add some weird CGI bits, like we see him plow through some dead end signs, which are CGI. Strange. And then when he eventually comes across the construction, um, most of that is CGI too, and I feel like it stands out awkwardly as well. It could have just 
it could have been because I just watched the theatrical cut that it stood out worse for me. But I was like, oh man. <laughs> that felt like Star Wars Special Edition tinkering, um, like the, the construction in particular that he crashes through. Because I got to see a glimpse of the original um, footage from watching the, the little trailer I talked about. Mm. And I definitely noticed some major differences. Um, in the original footage I saw, you know, he goes through and there's a man who's still on the catwalk or st- scaffolding. Um, and after he goes through, the man is hanging on the rope, which is funny because it's like a new hope <laughs> in the special edition where that Jawa is dangling from that dinosaur, that brontosaurus like creature, um, that weird oh, slapstick no. moment in a new hope. Um, but that's in the original in, in, um, uh, THX, but in the director's CGI cut version, um, for some reason, instead of that gag, they show one of the workers on the catwalk running out through like a side portal at the last moment. Ooh, it looks awkward. <laughs> And I don't know how that's an improvement. Um, and it just, yeah, it just seems really weird. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It's the same with that weird little, uh, yeah, you said he was like a scorpion instead of the rat. That was weird too. I was like, whoa, that just stands out. Why, why put that in there? The rat worked just fine. Just weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the scorpion would have been fine if the effect looked better. But, but the effect looked like straight out of Attack of the Clones um, style of CGI, which, yeah, that, so that was definitely much more of a distraction um, just because of that. Um, what else was I going to say about that? Oh, but, and also just the chase in general and the cars definitely gave me some Speed Racer vibes. I've only seen the movie. I haven't ever watched um, the anime before. Um, but also just thinking of retro future or 70s future even though it's different i was thinking about like the cars in the original mad max which for me i think those cars are way cooler if you're talking about like um iconic tv cars um i i i I'd much rather the style of the mad max um pursuit vehicles oh yeah the interceptor that thing's one of the great sci-fi cars Oh, totally. Um, but one of the things that they keep highlighting during this big chase, which I think is just great, I, I love this aspect of it, is they set the cap of the cost. Okay, this is the max amount of money we're willing to spend to capture this guy, 14000 And I, I love the way they keep coming back to it over and over throughout the chase. Okay, we're this, we're this close to our cap. Oh, you guys are doing great. You're under budget at this point. I think that stuff is also some fun little bit of uh, a satire for it. And I even like at the end, I, I think it's kind of sweet of the robots when they're like, okay, you've reached the cap. T, uh, THX is almost up to the top. And they're like, okay, turn back, just just abandon him. They just linger for a while and keep being like, hey, please, this is your last chance. You really can't survive up there. I was like, oh, they, they, they did a good job programming these robots. They seem to actually care. So I thought yep. that was sweet. <laughs> yep. That's like one last chance or else, like, this is your last chance. We're extending the hand. Okay, goodbye. Yeah. No, I do, I do think it's a nice touch what you mentioned about the cost um, because they're constantly, even before then, talking about how important economy is you know, mm-hmm. in general in the society. I do think it's a nice touch and it's, it's reminiscent of it's reminiscent of 
Well, one example is like in the real world where in certain states and jurisdictions in the United States, um, they will not pursue people in high speed um, chases um, because they determine it's not worth like the risk like to the public in general. And so in certain jurisdictions, they'll just let people go um, yep. and not get into the crazy chases that are always happening in Southern California and televised live. <sighs> and um, it reminds me of the situation that happened in the late 70s with Ford Motor Company in real life, famously um, involving their Pinto model car which is like a famous example brought up like in economics and philosophy classes and things, which was in the late seventies and I think early eighties, um, you know, Ford, it was brought to their attention and they knew that there was a design flaw in the Pinto car um, because the fuel tank was located in the rear. And so there was a very decent probability that if a Pinto gets rear ended that the whole car can blow up and be up in flames because of a design flaw but at the time Ford did the math um, and they determined that it would be much more cost effective to deal with the ensuing lawsuits and things that would come up rather than recall the, the car mm -hmm. and this is a famous example that everyone knows of and so, so Ford continued to sell like the flawed Pintos and there were many stories of people um, being killed in those types of accidents. That's so crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, talk about Twisted. Not our fault, guys. Not our fault. We're, we're taking the loss. Sure. But if you think of the company or the corporation as like a machine or like a Borg, like not thinking. Yeah. You, you just do the math and, and the math says this is what we do. Yeah, that's where regulation comes in. That's why I'll never buy a Ford. Oh, they, they produce some okay products. I think it's so funny because um, uh, when I was getting driven around by my friend's mom in middle school, um, for a time she had like what was even old at that time. She had like a 12-year-old Pinto at the time. And so I remember riding around that car all the time. And I remember I didn't know anything about this business I was talking about. I, I'd heard of it, but I didn't know the details of of this whole design flaw thing but i remember sitting in the back seat you know how cars have like that bump in the middle where like i don't know where like the um the axle is located or something but underneath the car but i just remember riding in that car and that middle section like like that's carpeted on the floor i just remember it would get so hot like to the touch and i would just be like what is going on in this car like what is this oh no but anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh but um i guess moving away a little bit from thx for now during this whole chase sequence we get kind of a more character focused section because thx becomes just like a vehicle plowing towards his goal at this point he's already had his character arc he's set in his path and he, he's going towards it on the side we have uh, Sen, who gets separated from him, and as he's separated, he kind of goes off on his own. He looks like he's like, I was gonna say shell shocked. He looks uh, traumatized. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he at first thinks that he's gonna also try to 
follow the THX path and remove himself from this society. He was even kind of pushing for that kind of thing in the prison. Like, hey, we need to branch out and form our own society. And so he tries to go off on his own into this, uh, I guess, the train path. And he finds this, this another crack in, in this uh, very crisp world. A place that seems like it's been left off of maintenance and it's it's dark and it's these creepy bugs. And he gets his, his a big scare. And he's like, okay, uh, I need to go and you know, maybe try to find myself again and try to... I guess at this point he's, he's decided he wants to integrate back into society. And I think that's a, a cool plot for him. And we see him get into the behind-the-scenes works of where they put together a little program for their uh, confession boxes, whatever those are. And I like his little prayer and beseeching to the to the religious image of like, oh, you know, I... I could always see that there was something, you know, that that, that there were ways to, to improve the society with just a little, a little nudge, a little adjustment. But if you put me back, you know, I'll try to do better this time. I I, I find Donald Pleasant so charming in those scenes, and I I quite like this as a, a kind of uh, what's the word, an alternative to the big action chasing, having a little bit more character grounding. I think the two of them play off each other well. I agree. And I, I think it's it's a great inclusion, like everything just described with his character once he gets separated. Um, and I also saw him as like, yeah, he would talk the talk of wanting yeah. to be like THX, but he couldn't actually follow through with it. Um, and so, you know, things went the way they went for him uh, ultimately in the movie. But also just thinking about it when you were talking about it, <laughs> reminds me of the character in the first oh, no. Matrix. Uh, what's his name? The the, the slimy sleazy one. Cipher. On the... yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Reminds me of his character turn and and realizing, you know what? I'm not really cut out for this real world. Um, you know, you promise if I do this, I can go back into the system. Um, and it reminds me of the thing I brought up before uh, offline with Caleb and maybe Sean. I think has been there I bring up like um, every now and then uh, back in the day I would have like a reoccurring dream on the theme of like there was like a zombie outbreak or werewolves or something like that and they're like you know consuming everyone in the world and after they get bitten they get turned into whatever and I'd have this dream where you know i'm like in a movie and i'm trying to escape you know and get away from these zombie like creatures but then what would ultimately happen to me in these dreams over and over is that at a certain point i would just like in the dream i would think oh you know what screw running i'm just gonna stand here go ahead bite me turn me into a zombie and then i can just relax um so it reminds me of that reoccurring theme and dreams i would have over and over yeah this is off topic city today <laughs> <laughs> can't help it um it's just and again i think a lot of these i mean the reason why there's so many other movies and and things that are similar to thx not that thx was the one that put it out there for everyone to take in but i think it's just it's a really similar like human condition thing for a lot of people to ponder on even predating science fiction as a genre i i am certain that people had these thoughts like throughout history um and prehistory i mean not unlike the character of moana and moana 
you know. No, no. <laughs> I'm just saying it. Like, it's just there's always a certain amount of people who, to some degree, in whatever world they're born into, just think like, no, this this is this doesn't need to be the way. It doesn't need to be the way for me. It may be fine for a lot of people, but it's not for me. And of course, a movie that perhaps was more directly inspired by THX that I kept thinking about. I haven't mentioned yet is of course Logan's Run, and yeah. if you guys have seen that, how much do you think that that was perhaps influenced by this movie? I'd be curious to know when the book was written. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good point because then maybe THX was inspired by the book of Logan's Run. Yeah, but definitely quite a bit of similarities there. Oh, but but before uh, Eric was talking there, Isaac, I feel like you were about to jump in and say some. Do you do you remember what you're going to say or? Um with uh regards to i guess sin going back into fitting back into society and yeah that was that was an interesting part but one thing i liked was you know how he kind of was helping those children out and it reminded me of you know what you guys were saying earlier about like you know how they're kind of breeding children or whatnot or what they're what they're doing with children and it's almost like i was thinking okay what if don't don't worry this is within the boundaries of the movie uh what if <laughs> The current generation, THX and, uh, you know, Sen and his roommates, or THX's roommate, sorry, uh, Lol, or however you say it, um, L-U-H, what if they're controlling them via pharmaceutical drugs? What if the next generation, and we saw that in, like, the kangaroo court, what if they're breeding them from, like, the beginning, like, these these test tube babies, they're actually like, you know, programming them to be, you know, obedient and, and obey without the need of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. I thought that same thing. I, I wasn't sure if he meant erotics in terms of, uh, humans that were produced via a sexual act or people that were capable of having sexual feelings. Uh, it was only the, the comment of like, Oh, this isn't a race issue that made me wonder, but yeah, it seems like the yeah maybe the younger generation have a little bit of a different uh, experience. And I do wonder if they're slowly moving away from being birthed by physical means. I don't know if we're talking like asexual reproduction, but somehow, like, almost humans from a machine itself one day. I don't know. That, uh, that yeah. could be interesting. Yeah, it seems like it. That does remind me for you, Eric. Because we were questioning what happened to LUH. When we do get to that computer uh, uh, display that sh that they search up of her, it says uh, LUH, whatever her number is, consumed. And they say, like, new designation, fetus, with the same number. Well, yeah, that's why I thought what I thought, which was initially, which was um, that the original person was completely wiped out physically. Um, and I just thought they just passed the designator on to someone else. Um, but not not necessarily that she was reconstituted into the actual same or the new fetus with the same designation. No, oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> but I mean, I still don't know though which way it goes. I, I, that's just kind of the way I took it initially. Um, and, and and Isaac brought up a good point which I hadn't considered that yeah. perhaps that is what they were saying. Like, would the youth, the younger youth, have like those um, sort of like self-contained IVs mm -hmm. on? And maybe, maybe it is how they're breeding the the next next generation, 
um, that they're preconditioned right from the start so that perhaps, yes, they don't need to be like the older generations that had to be converted through um, uh, consumable phar pharmaceuticals. Um, that's a really good, interesting point. Um, and then going back to the courtroom scene when they use the term erotics. Um, yeah, I don't know, as Caleb said, like, are they just referring to the older generation who was brought up the old way? Or is it another instance of, like, um, the gay coding you were talking about in older films? Um, and because you could imagine, like, during the Hayes Code era, um, someone who was more, like, religious conservative, thinking of anybody who does deviant behavior by our current societal norms, um, maybe erotics is just a, a catch-all term for people who don't play by the rules, so to speak. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Hmm. That's how I kind of took it on initial viewing when they said erotics. But then you're right to point out, like he says, like um, there's no need to get get into race about this. So that's like another interesting wrinkle into it all. Yeah, and there was one more thing I wanted to point out about Sam, which I thought was funny as well. Again, I'm a, I, I don't know, maybe I was just looking for humor in this. But I do like that um, after he's giving that impassioned plea to, to, to Ohm about wanting to get another chance to fit into society, and this uh, this monk or whatever shows up and he's like, hey, what are you doing here? You know, I, I have to report you. We can't have intruders here. And Sin tries to get away and pushes him down. And I love that right when the guy falls on the ground, he like snaps up and looks over at Ohm and he has this super uh like stunned look like oh crap I just hit rock bottom again and just Donald Pleasant's face there I thought was was quite quite amusing in that moment I think it's like a philosophical joke or something <laughs> in that scene in particular because he just was trying to pledge or yes ask for forgiveness and pledge to the cause but then immediately like breaks another major sin in this world like at the same time yeah just irony yeah 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 exactly that's how yeah how i took it uh, i guess I, I guess we already talked about the uh the the shell dwellers um that's my notes yeah both versions look weird um i don't know if either one <laughs> i don't know if i could pick either one because both of them just did not did not work for me at all um yeah, do you guys have any comments there I was not a fan of the CGI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of, it's weird. It's funny seeing like, you know, again, like the Star Wars parallels that would come later, later. Um, you know, I mentioned the scene in Mandalorian and obviously George Lucas didn't have a direct hand in producing Mandalorian, but it could have been inspired um, like by Filoni or someone by the spirit of THX to have that uh, social worker type uh, situation, interrogation or whatever, or whatever you want to call it, um, processing situation. Um, of course, like thinking about the, the way the future younger generations may be created in this world um, calls to mind uh, like the clones and attack of the clones and how they're produced and how they're just, um, made to be beings who naturally conform um and there was another one in newer star wars that i can't recall at the moment 
Yeah, I think you're going to go towards the, the Morlocks, Ty. Yes! Thank you! Thank you, Caleb. The Morlocks. Thank you. When you were talking about the Outer Dwellers, it's interesting to wonder if that was also like a Filoni or someone post-THX like connection that that there was these creatures who who function on the um the metaphorical outer rim of mandalore um and then you know once society was gone or broke down they came in to kind of lord over the world um themselves and yeah it really makes me wonder now if that was part of the the backstory or origin of those morlock creatures morlock like creatures yeah, then I guess the last thing to discuss is uh, maybe the only the only uh, definitive thing from this that was a direct reference in Star Wars with this this very poignant image of when THX finally escapes this uh, this deep underground world and gets to the surface, and we get that shot of the giant sun with him standing there and just kind of mesmerized. Absolutely, I think that's uh, yeah, that's I think it's a great image, and again, I love the. Uh, the way they weaved in that interaction with animals and to see the birds flying there, I thought was uh, had a big emotional hit for me. This, this most recent viewing. Yeah. I mean, all I can say is I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really well done. And of course it was in the uh, original student or version of it was in the original student film as well. Yeah. 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 Kind of version of it. Yeah. That's fair. He got out. He won. <laughs> um, Not to go back to the beginning for a second, but, any thoughts on the reverse rolling credits? Like, is that just being pretentious, or is it maybe a little bit more nuanced than being pretentious? Both. Okay, I, I'll take that answer. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was um, he wanted... Because there's, there's a bit of this with the, the old Hollywood, where you can kind of be choosy about how you want to have your last uh, image held. If you could split up credits and stuff like that. So I wonder if he was doing that. He was like, I want to end on this definitive image. I don't want you to have to walk out and or see credits roll after this. I wanted to end on that really with that punch. Oh, no, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that makes sense. I know what you're talking about with that as far as old Hollywood and everything or newer Hollywood yeah. at the time. I know what you're saying, but I'm, I'm talking about the opening credits specifically uh, at the very beginning after Buck Rogers, how they roll backwards. Oh, oh, I, oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> um, and that's what I was talking about. Is that pretentious? Or is that trying to say something about going back to the beginning or going back to origins or something? Uh, uh, I, I haven't, I didn't even notice it. So no comment for me. I, I don't know. Wow. You didn't notice it. It was almost like, um, like reading a manga, not exactly, but you know, but like reading backwards. It's the opposite. This whole thing is the opposite of star Wars where we would have a scroll. Right. We would have, you know, these all, all this like text and information except it's you know different it's just okay here's all the you know cat or here's all the staff my only criticism of the backwards rolling credits at the at the front of the movie was that okay i fi fine i get it it's going the opposite direction you're used to but what i didn't like is that so like let's let's pretend the first thing it says is like written and directed by george lucas so, like, as it's rolling in reverse from bottom to top, it still says, you know, written, directed by, and then it says George Lucas. For some reason, I wanted it the other way. 
like George Lucas to come first and then written and directed by for some reason the fact that things were still layered the normal way you'd read them except going in reverse for some reason that incongruity bothered me but I guess it makes sense on the other hand to put the title first and then the name. I don't know, but it just, I was like, if it's all going to be upside down, just make it all upside down. But maybe that's just me. Um, and I don't know if they altered, like if they remade that opening title sequence for the director's cut, because that is very normal, not just in Lucas films, but in like anybody films that when they um, make like the DVD or Blu-ray versions, um, it's very common to completely recreate um, opening credits and things in in all kinds of just regular movies, quote unquote. Oh man! But, but if it is the original like look of the original cut, which I didn't get to see, I did think it was notable that they used like the old school Lucasfilm font of the Star Wars movies of the '80s um, before they got changed up with like the modern design for the special editions. Now, uh, I don't have the uh, the director's cut in front of me. Is it like the green? Yes. Gr- green text? Okay, yeah, that's in the original as yeah, well. Yeah, the, the green text with the plain font. And they might have recreated it for the, special, for the director's cut, but made it true to the original, because that's usually what's done in a lot of movies. Hmm. But I didn't know, though, if maybe it looked different in the original, and then they retroactively tried to make it look like the Lucasfilm font of the 80s um but i definitely noticed the connection though yeah and i i'm surprised we didn't we didn't talk at all i mentioned a little bit about how i like the uh kind of tonal shift that the music creates during that uh that opening section but uh lalo schifrin's music in general i think is really good across the board in this movie a really great uh mood setter throughout the thing i was very surprised to see that he was the composer for this because I'm familiar with some of his other movie scores and the ones I have heard are nothing like this. <laughs> um, and like they're usually jazzy. Um, so I was very surprised and he has a very unappreciated, incredible score for the movie bullet, which, which is just absolutely incredible to listen to yeah, that's the first thing i think of when i see the name and he has other notable works and i was yeah i was very surprised as he did this but i guess in a way not exactly the same but it's like how jerry goldsmith did his like really experimental score for the original planet of the apes which is oh, also yeah. super cool in its own way like in historical context <laughs> um but yeah very surprised like how do you even choose that guy for this movie and then he just kind of goes along with it i guess or maybe he i don't know i'd have to look at his whole um uh i don't know what you call it um discography maybe he did a lot of like um experimental type like non-genre specific scores i'm not sure yeah no that that is an interesting point yeah hmm um, but I guess I feel like we've uh, mainly, mostly arrived at the uh, the final thoughts section here, unless you guys have any last uh, lingering little threads you want to pull on. I think we got most of the big ones. Oh, although the book Logan's Run did come out in 1967. So Interesting. that adds to the curiosity if maybe the student film concept was loosely inspired by. 
yeah, came out the same year. He could have been reading it in his his college days, and yeah, absolutely. I I could totally see how it could be inspired by. Now, my Isaac, or do you feel ready to move on to final thoughts, or? Yeah, I'm pretty much okay with that. I don't have a uh, yeah, I don't have much more to say at uh, this at the, uh, during this read, of course. But perhaps one day I'll come back saying, "Hey, I thought of this." Sure. Hey, that's what the the speakeasy bonus episodes are for. Uh, but to go in the same order from before, uh, Eric, uh, what's your final summations for this feature film, uh, THX 1138, a Star Wars story? So I didn't know fully what to expect from this, but uh, and it's funny when I had only seen still images before I ever watched the movie. Some of the still images I saw, kind of rem- oh, sorry to do it again, but kind of reminded me of some of the sequences in the original um, Charlie or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with the the TV kid, and we're on, when they're on the like the <laughs> okay. sound stage. Uh, I, I don't know. I always kind of had that idea in my head in the back of my mind before I saw this movie. But anyway, um, I actually found the movie a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Because, hmm. you know, I'd always heard like, yeah, it, it's it's a really interesting first effort, um, but it's not necessarily great or anything. And no one ever really said it was like a must-see. Um, hmm unless you're just heavily invested like in George Lucas's works in particular. Um, so I wasn't expecting much from the actual film. There was a lot more in it um, to it. Like, in, like the things we've discussed and everything, I didn't expect to be so much there, there. And it was actually really interesting um, in retrospect after watching the entire film. And I thought a lot of it was um, really well done and and really looks good um, considering, you know, the budget and everything. Uh, and I really think it's a really good take. Um, like on the future, on the future for the time that it was produced, like 71 or whatever. Yeah. Because um, I've always I've always made the case like can you imagine seeing a blockbuster like Logan's run at the time it came out in theaters? And then I think like a year later seeing star Wars and, and like your brain just being like, what, like, how do we quantum leap like in filmmaking from that to this uh-huh. like, in one year? I've always thought about that. And I, I think for the future look, it's done really well here. Um, and it is reminiscent to me of the futurism type work um, on the sets that went into um, 2001, which we discussed recently. Um, and it also made me think of, or compared it in my brain to Clockwork Orange, which is also like a near future dystopian world. And I know this is a conversation for another day, but um, I've always wished with Clockwork Orange that just like the filming itself looked cleaner and sharper the way this looks Hmm. you know what i mean because because like um uh, dr strangelove and and 2001 have such a clean visual look and i'm talking about like the filming process yeah um not the sets themselves um and it's always bothered me that 
Clockwork Orange is such a interesting, iconic movie, but it doesn't look like it was shot um, chemically with like the precision of like Kubrick's other great films. And and so I really like that really sharp precision type look of this movie throughout. And I, and I think that near future stuff has done really well for the time, just like how the original Blade Runner and Alien look really great, look like really great futurism for the times that they came out. I feel like this is like the 71 equivalent of that. Um, and so I actually just overall found it much more enjoyable um, than I ever would have thought. And like, you know, Lucas's um, non-Star Wars projects are very hit and miss in different kinds of ways, uh-huh. uh, excluding uh, Indiana Jones, if you count that. Uh-huh. But this was like probably the best, most con- coherent Lucas production I've seen outside of the original Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how American Graffiti lines up because I've never seen that one. So. Oh, I forget about that. That's different. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like in a different category altogether. I. Yeah, whatever I just said, I completely forgot about American Graffiti. <laughs> uh, but Isaac, what do you got for us? I agree with Eric. I'm I'm impressed. I, I like I said, but I, what I will at least you know back up is yeah, this compared to Logan's Run and maybe some other '70s films of the time. This like the the camera work because it's Lucas and you know he loves his cameras. It it didn't look like a uh, didn't look like a '70s film to me. Like I kind of had to constantly remind myself, this is the seventies. Like, oh yeah, that's that's what this is. But it didn't feel like it. it honestly, like I'm not saying it was the eighties, but I was like, this just feels like a well-shot movie that I haven't really seen in any other, you know, any, any other time during the seventies. Or at least, if I have seen it during the seventies, it's I don't know, something like grandiose, or at least you know, alien. Well, modest, pretty. Yeah, no, it's 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 kind of up there. Uh, with, with in terms of budget, but it you know it just goes to show you that Lucas was very you know precise and controlling with uh, what what he had uh, in hand with with those cameras there. And I also love all the chatter, by the way, like all the electronic communication that they they had going for them. I love mm-hmm. all that stuff. It, it definitely reminded me of of Star Wars uh, a lot. It's, it's kind of obvious. Yeah, Star Wars and Alien for me with with like a lot of the random chatter. Yeah, even even the bit of uh, him in the uh, in the speeder there and the cruiser uh, also made me think of oh yeah the ending of uh, Star Wars. It's like is this whole movie like just a metaphor for the the first Star Wars film in a way, but like the science fiction version? No, of course not. <laughs> oh, I definitely see the metaphor. Um, there was a readout at some point in the movie during the car chase where it shows like a analog. Um, what do you call it? Some type of energy reading. Um, and it's, it's like a, like on a line, uh, like a ruler. It's not a ruler, but I mean, it's, it's horizontal like that. And then like, um, I don't know if it's detecting radiation or cost or what this thing is supposed to be measuring, but you see it just kind of like move horizontally, like it's increasing and it looks just like, um, something in a new hope, um, where they're like charging like the Death Star cannon or something. and, And you see like the energy level. It looked just like it, just the coloration was different. Um, and there's also, there was some random uh, radio gibberish at one point, and the voice sounded just like 
the same type of voice in Empire Strikes Back when the 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 drone droids that are on Hoth, the Empire ones, when they're like reporting back to the Empire and they they catch the signal in the 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 rebel like control room, and I wish I could do that voice like yeah, you can hear it in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was something in THX, and who knows if that was done in the director's cut or not? I don't know, but it sounded just like it. No, that stuff is in the original uh, version as well. Yeah, so I, yeah, I like that. No, but keep going, Isaac. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm happy to say that, ladies and gentlemen, those in between an affiliate, I can finally, finally give Caleb back his Blu-ray after after so long. Uh, Caleb, I hope you uh, noted the date of when you watched uh, this again, unless you're old, well, yeah, you're you're two times you watched it because you'd be adding that to your little sticky note. Unless you want me to quickly add it for you. No, it's okay. I've got it written in my, my journal here, so yeah, I'll just consult that uh, you know, whenever it's returned. <laughs> Very good, sir. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd highly recommend this. I'm, I'm definitely feeling this film, uh, and I do want to go back to it. Uh, but I would highly, highly suggest, um, if you have to, go watch the non I mean, maybe watch both, of course, but I would highly suggest watch the non-special edition, because that's what I will be uh, watching next time uh, I come around to watching this. So, high luck recommendation. Uh, definitely feeling it. Uh, Caleb, any last words? Oh, yes. I'll, yeah, I, I I may have been coming in the more critical one here. Um, if you guys could have seen the notes that I wrote, because I wrote the same way that I'd write notes for if I just watch one movie. I wrote for both. So, it was a giant selection of notes that I was trying to organize during this. Um, and, yeah, the, this movie, it doesn't inspire a lot of, a lot of thought and I really enjoyed spending that time going through both cut, both cuts. Wait, you said it doesn't really inspire a lot of thought? It does really inspire a lot of oh, thought. Oh, okay. <laughs> I misheard you. I was like, what? And I, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, going through through the both times and discussing with you guys. And uh, as a fan of more thoughtful 70s science fiction, which I'm surprised we didn't really talk about too much except for you mentioning Logan's Run. But uh, yeah, I feel like post-2001 A Space Odyssey, the 70s was filled with really cool, more uh, thoughtful science fiction. And finally, seeing this and fitting into that that group of movies that I really like, it was, yeah, it was like finding that missing piece of the puzzle. Like, oh, wow, this is, this was really worth seeing. So if you like films like uh, like Stalker or, um, or Silent Running, I, I think you definitely need to see this. Even if you're like, ah, fuck that George Lucas, the guy. Uh, he can't direct, uh, fuck those prequels like I was, <laughs> I definitely think that you'll find a different filmmaker in this than uh, that guy that he was in you know, the 90s and early 2000s. Oh, boy. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm also reminded from the 70s, of course, of, like, the original Westworld. Um, I don't really recommend Future World. Or I forget which one came <laughs> first. Came yes. first, But the second one I don't really recommend. I rec- recommend it as a bad movie. That thing is fun as hell. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. And I'm also reminded of like the Andromeda strain. Yep. Your Solaris or uh Oh yeah, that too. Soylent Green. I guess you could throw that in there and Yeah, it's just like Soylent Green and Omega Man for sure, but they have less of this kind of like well, that's debatable. Like I was gonna say yeah. they have less of this stylized seventies future look, but then that's debatable. 
Yeah, sort of green more so, but yeah, more grungy. And well, this is a discussion for a different time. <laughs> and I guess to be sorry for interrupting. I guess to be fair, sure. I don't mean that those films look like crap in comparison to this. Uh, when it comes to camera work, I just I just think like it's very maybe it's again maybe it's the Blu-ray, but it just those films they they even though they're really good films they 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 do you know sometimes scream seventies that's not a problem to me though. But this one was like, oh, the way he shot it was was very different. I also love that there were wipes as well. There was like fades to black and white as well. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it helps that this one was so removed from the fashion from the time. And the hair, I think that makes a difference too. Just <laughs> he's very bald, uh, just kind of oh, man. flat images. Or lack of hair. That was rough um, in the special features because, um, well, Robert Duvall was like, I was okay with it because he was already losing his hair in real life. <laughs> But the the actress who played La, I mean, she had gorgeous, like, long, early 70s hairstyle for a woman. Like, Uh. just gorgeous hair. Um, And they they showed the the footage of her getting her hair chopped off. And she's, like, practically in tears. Yeah. Um, It looked really hard. And then they said for the extras, um, uh, the way they got people who were totally fine with shaping their heads to play extras... Um, there was some program that used to exist in the Bay Area back then, which was sort of like a rehabilitation program, um, where people had to stay like in this facility and they were just told, yeah, you can be extras in this movie. You get paid $30 a day. All you gotta do is shave off your head. And they were just like, hell yeah, sign me up for that. So a lot of the background extras were just these people from this like rehabilitation program um, in the local area. And that's weird um, inside baseball irony as well to kind of think about that. (laughs) That's yeah, that's very fair. Yeah. Oh, and I guess just since there was one more thing I wanted to mention, I kept meaning to mention, you just reminded me of it. I did think it was kind of an interesting little personal touch that they had uh, all the, the kind of distant, corporate forces and the robots would always refer to them just in their designations like uh, LUH or THX but I like that between the people the ones who had more personal dynamics they would just like pronounce the name like you would call her La or she would say Thex uh, yes I just I like that touch I, I think that adds something adds a bit of humanity to it yeah I totally noticed that I like that and the <laughs> Reminiscent of the scene with Poe and um, oh no, here we go <laughs> in Force Awakens uh, he, um, when he changes his name to Finn. Um, That's fair. I, I'm sorry, it's there, and it's and it happens to be Lucas as well. Um, and well, speaking of discussions to have another day, I really think now Caleb, we need to at some point in the future on Prognosis Negative or somewhere do Woody Allen's Sleeper. Because I haven't seen it in ages, eh. but I didn't know it was based upon um, the H.G. Wells. I think loosely based upon H.G. Wells' book, *The Sleeper Awakens*. Mm. But also, I need to see it again um, now that I've seen *THX*, because I think there's a lot of elements in the movie *Sleeper* that are basically like spoofs of this movie. Um, Interesting. So, mm. so I think. We need to check that out and see if I'm just remembering crazy or if there's actually substance to this. Um, but yeah, I think there's some different, definitely obvious spoof parallel or satirical parallels. 
Well, but before we have to get to that, we do have to return to uh, a film we mentioned earlier, American Graffiti, which I'm very excited to, to see for the first time. And uh, yeah, I guess that's our next stop on the road to Star Wars. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Isaac, do you want to do you want to take us out? Yeah, I don't I don't know what happens after he gets out of the uh, bunker there or whatever it is, but definitely hope that he doesn't end up in the Planet of the Apes universe or else. That's not there good. Go. <laughs> Till next time, peace. I'm surprised there isn't going to be like a Disney Plus like THX sequel. <laughs> oh, oh just you wait. Just you wait. Uh, it seems like those days are over at Disney, at least for the moment, with them downsizing everything.